Hello, everybody. Uh, Hello. For those listening on, and for those listening on SoundCloud and Stitcher for us, or for YouTube for us, what's good with y'all? <laughs> it's Chris Garrett from Houston, Texas, USA. It's Andrew Benjamin from Brooklyn, New York, USA. And this is a very special edition of the We Are Rising podcast as we are talking about the Rising 20 events taking place this upcoming Tuesday, I think. Next Tuesday, yeah, actually. Yeah, Tuesday. December 31st. December 31st in the rest of the world, December 30th in some parts of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it'll be taking place live worldwide on the Fight TV app and your local cable satellite or telco providers in North America and throughout the world. But other than that, now that we got all the introductions out of the way, Johan, when it comes yes. down to you, what turns you on? I mean, when the Rise and Fighting Federation kicked off in 2015, what turned you on to this particular promotion? Was it the fact that it felt like watching an old K1 Dynamite or an old Pride Shockwave event? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, for me personally, when I first started watching MMA, it was, I mean, yeah, I did watch the old school UFC stuff, but that was back when they were in the uh, no holds barred fighting phase. But now the live streaming is on. All right. Oops. What's this? <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, so it's it's and then when it came to when it came to this thing called MMA, Pride was the first thing that came into mind. So technically, even though I started watching MMA through the UFC, but back when it was. Um, back when it, back when, back before when, back before when Zufa that's basically when it. Was a yeah, pretty much. So when people ask me about which, what got you started into MMA, I will just tell them Pride and to an extent K1 um, before they even started doing the whole MMA stuff with Dynamite and Heroes and all that. So... That's what turned me on to Ryzen because it felt, it felt like, it felt like mainstream JMMA again. Like we had Pride and Heroes uh, back in the early to mid two thousands, and then the late two thousands we had we had Dream and Sengoku as well, and now here in in this age we've got Ryzen. So it's a great time to be a JMMA fan again if you're not into JMMA yet, then I think you should start getting back into it now that Ryzen is getting hotter and hotter as the day comes goes along. Now, Johan, you also yeah. had the uh, the honor of attending uh, Dynamite 2009, I think it was? Yeah, almost 10 years ago, actually. <laughs> Tell us about that. What was it like being uh, at that show? Uh, it was like It was a very... Uh, uh, memorable and also important show. Uh, I think, uh, Christian, you're going to have to correct me on this, but was that the show where they determined uh, the lightweight uh, champion uh, that uh, I think Eddie Alvarez won that? Was that the one The one, is that the one I'm thinking of? Well, actually, you're, Johan, you were there, so was that the one that happened? Oh, uh, no. Um, the lightweight Grand Prix was actually the year before. So, 
the yeah, Dynamite 
announcer for uh or singer um yeah uh i do sing i do perform on stage and uh aside from that um i do ring announcing for malaysia pro wrestling as well and commentating so i keep myself busy very 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 often as well <laughs> pretty and, much and for your twitch that's where you play video games uh is that correct for the, all the uh, older folks out there who may not know what a Twitch stream is, that you play the video games on that? Uh... Yeah, pretty much. Oh, cool. What is what is a video game that everybody, that, that you are playing right now and that you recommend that everybody should play? Um, good grief. Uh, <laughs> where do I begin? Let me see. Fortnite? Is everybody still playing Fortnite? I'm still playing Fortnite. <laughs> I'm still playing Fortnite. Um... Well, aside from that, I play a lot of fighting games. I'm waiting for Street Fighter V Champion Edition to come out just because I want to get everything all unlocked at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from that, a lot of people are playing Overwatch. A lot of people are playing um, PUBG as well. And there are people playing Apex Legends and uh, um, CSGO as well as your usual... World of Warcraft, Dota 2, and uh, League of Legends, and all that. So, I can't really like pinpoint which game is good to, to start playing, because everyone everyone has their own preferences, really. Mm -hmm. So, now, Chris, yeah, it's pretty much up to everyone. <laughs> Christian, this will be my last video game question before you, before you get angry at me. Uh, who's your favorite character to play as in Overwatch? Diva. Yes, Diva. That's my character as well. I love the tank. I love the tank. I don't care what anybody says. I love and I. My favorite, my favorite thing, move of hers is the is the uh, hail mary. Uh, let every let the suit explode and kill everybody. I have won so many matches using that method. Everybody, fall. yeah. Oh, I love that move. Sorry. I have a few like uh, play of the games using D.Va, so I'm pretty happy to use her. <laughs> good, good. I'm so glad. I'm, so many people crap all over the, all the tanks in that game. It's like, too bad. They're the best characters. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, that's so, I had to, I had to ask. Um, but, um, Christian, do you would like to ask any more questions for Mr., uh, uh that, uh, that anybody that you might want to ask, uh, Johan, that the audience mm -hmm. might want to know? Well, there is I want to ask sure. when it comes down to professional wrestling. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to commentating professional wrestling, do you ever feel like when the guys are in the ring busting their asses and doing their thing, do you feel like you could re you could basically resonate with competitors in the ring just by, you know, doing, I mean, just by commentating, you know, storytelling, so speak? Yeah, I mean, I've taken a bump or two myself <laughs> because that's how much of a team player I can be. So, and at the same time, it's not just resonating with what happens in the ring, but what happens around me with the crowd and how they react to certain things, certain moves and all that. So I feed off the energy from every single one that's involved, from the wrestlers themselves to the personnel, like referees and, and such, and of course the crowd. When the crowd feeds off that energy, I pretty much take it in and I make the best out of it when I'm call, calling matches. 
Mm-hmm. I can understand yeah. that. And another thing I want to talk to you about is, and let, and I mean, Andrew, I think you and I probably know what we're talking about here, but when it comes down to your ring announcer style, you say you try to channel your inner Lenny Hart, but <laughs> if, let's just say if Lenny Hart is not an inspiration for you to be a ring announcer, then who is? Oh man, I take, um, I take a lot of inspiration from a lot of guys, you know, the Michael Buffers and Jimmy Lennon Juniors of the world. And then of course you have, uh, guys like, uh, the guy from Pride, Kei Tanaka, I think it was. Kei Grant, sorry. <laughs> Kei Grant. Um, and then there were a couple of other guys. Uh, let's see, uh, he did talk. Hidekazu Tanaka from New Japan, like the the old ring announcer from back then, he's one of my inspirations as well. Um, I I take after Tim Hughes from Glory as well. I take after oh god, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, I try to take after Michael C. Williams as well from Bellator, and I take. I even try to take inspiration from Bomba Mario from K1, like the old K1 days as well. It's, but uh, but I try to I try to add my own my own style to it and try not to copy anyone too much. But these are the guys that I I look up to, you know, and, and Lenny Hart as well. I look up to Lenny Hart. I look up to all of these other announcers that I had rattled off of my head. So uh, what's most important is that I enjoy what I do. So that's that, I guess. <laughs> and when it comes down to that, I mean, if you're not enjoying what you do, then what are you there for? Exactly. <laughs> Just the ambience? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing like being at a live show. I mean, going back to when I was at Dynamite as well, it's, um, it's a completely different feeling. Like, okay, for instance, uh, when Masato made his way out to the ring, the entire Saitama Super Arena blew the roof. And it's like when I was watching the, I, I know it, it was called HDNet back then, uh, the Access TV broadcast. Um, when I first watched it, um, I was like, did they not put in a lot of mics in the in the arena because it didn't sound as loud as it was in the actual arena itself it was it was noisy it was well when masato came out but it didn't it, it didn't translate very well on tv so uh, i so also it's a whole different feeling being uh, there live as well. yeah i want to say this also as well you know the saitama super arena is a, is a weird venue in terms of acoustics um it, yeah. Well, actually, a lot of Japanese venues are um, like the smaller venues, like a Kurikan Hall, sounds much more louder than some than like Tokyo Dome at times. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, I mean, Tokyo I've watched Dome is a two thousand venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've watched I've watched matches live at Kurikan Hall before, and it is very loud in there. Um, you can. You can even make the slightest noise, and the camera will be able to pick you up as well. Mm. So, like, like for instance, um, when I was watching an All Japan Pro Wrestling show live there, 
and D'Lo Brown was on the card, the camera could pick me up saying down with the Brown. <laughs> Which I felt was, looking back at it, I was like, damn, I'm like, I should. I wish I should. I didn't have to say that because it made me sound like a total smart in a way. <laughs> I wonder if, if I was young back then, so I didn't know any better. I wonder if the way the reason why these why these venues had these kind of weird acoustics is because you know, I don't know if it, they're built a specific way because of earthquakes and all that. Because I can tell you here, you know, buildings are built, you know, to. Not, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, I don't know, Johan. Does Malaysia have suffer earthquakes? At times, or is it like, are the buildings built differently at all there? Uh, I, I think Malaysia is very lucky in a way that we don't get a lot of these natural disasters like Japan do. We don't get earthquakes. We don't have um, volcano eruptions or anything. Like, we do have other disasters like landslides and floods. Uh, we did have the tsunami from, like, way back in 2004, but nothing... Nothing severe like earthquakes and such, mm. you know, so we're kind of fortunate in that sense. Okay. That being said, I'm not sure whether the buildings that we have are designed in a sense that it is done to protect whatever natural disasters that come our way. But um, I think it's, I think, I mean, the acoustics in Japanese venues could also play a factor because of the way it's being built. But other than that, um, I don't think that really much. There is much difference. I mean, the Saitama Arena itself has that cavernous feel because mm -hmm. of how well, because of the acoustics in the building. But other than that, I think it's pretty okay. Mm. I, I kind of like being in there. I know, me too. When I was there uh, last year and two years ago, oh, I, it's such a great venue to to uh, oh. to be in. Um, but uh, Christian. Uh, I guess to keep it on topic, Super Saitama Arena, December 31st, at least in Japan, we're going to be back yeah. there. What are we going to be back there for, Christian? <laughs> we're going to be back there for Ryzen 20. And as weird as it seems, kick things off, we're going to be talking about the lightweight tournament. And obviously, if you've been... If you've been watching Rise and Fighting Federation shows over the last 10 months, you would realize that the lightweight tournament has been just off the meter with mm -hmm. exciting performances, exciting fights. And now we're down to the final four. So yes. let's go ahead and instead of talking about this fight by fight like we normally do, let's go ahead and talk about all four of these competitors in total because it's two fights back-to-back. -back. Plus, you got the intermission. I mean, plus you got the fight, the final. The two fighters fighting out of the semifinal, fighting in the final before the intermission. But still, without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about the respective fighters that are in this tournament. First of all, Johnny Hollywood, Johnny Pace, 27, 6, and 1, 5, 10, 155, well, 156 pounds, 178 centimeters, 70.5 kilo, age 30, born June the 28th, 1989, in Jackson, Iowa, USA, fighting out of the MMA lab in extreme culture. In Glendale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, respectively. He 
will be facing off against Tofik Musayel in the tournament semifinals. Musayel, 16-3 overall, 5'10", 178 centimeters, 155.4 pounds, 70.2 kilograms, age 30. Born December 15, 1989, representing the Orion Fight Club and fighting out of Azerbaijan. They will decide who will face off against the winner of the next semifinal that will take place in the Battle of the Brazilian. Luis Killer Gustavo versus Bellator Superstar by Tricky Pitbull Fiore. First of all, the particulars for Luis Gustavo. 10 and 1 overall. He is 5 feet 9 inches tall, 155 pounds, 175 centimeters, 70 kilos. He is 23 years old, born Luis Gustavo Felix Dos Santos on May 25th, 1996. Originally from Curitiba, he fights a double-loop calcite MMA camp in Colombo, Plajana, Brazil. His opponent is Bellator MMA superstar one half of the dynamic Pitbull Brothers team that's just taking over the promotion with brother Patricio being the kingpin in the lightweight and featherweight divisions of Bellator MMA, Patriki Pitbull Fury. And, <laughs> sorry, I mean, I'm sorry, I got like severe asthma, but still, point of the matter is, what there is, what is there to say about Patriki Pitbull Fury other than the fact that he's not a world titleist right now in Bellator, which is a crying shame. He is 22 and 8 overall, 5 feet 7 inches tall, 156 pounds, 170 centimeters, 70.3 kilograms. He is 33 years old, born January the 21st, 1986, originally from Mosolo. He fights out of the same Pitbull Brothers Academy in the Tarpio Grande, Deutsche Brasil. And he is currently riding a six-fight winning streak. Now, instead of us asking, I mean, instead of me asking, you know, who do you think is going to win this fight and why, seeing the fact that there are two fights in these rising lightweight Grand Prix semifinals, who do you think is going to win this tournament and why? Johan, after you. I get the first, I get the first answer. Oh my god. Um, first and foremost, I am so glad that Ryzen decided to do a lightweight Grand Prix because for me personally, um, and this might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, I think that the lightweight division that Ryzen has is actually the best weight division in their promotion because of all the caliber of fighters that they have. So much so that I wish the field wasn't just restricted. I mean, I wish the field wasn't just restricted to eight fighters. I wish there were like 16 fighters competing in it. Just like when we, when they had the, I think it was the Bantamweight Grand Prix a few years back. Because the Bantamweight Grand Prix was stacked. And I felt that the Lightweight Grand Prix could be stacked as well. And seeing who they brought in for the Lightweight Grand Prix, it really was anyone's game. And now that we are in the final four, it's only getting much more competitive. 
Um, I think the overall favorite would be would be Pitbull. I feel that the winner between Pitbull and Gustavo are probably going to be the guys who will end up winning the entire tournament. Um, we all know how great Pitbull is. He, I think he's like he's he holds one of the fed, the Bellator titles right now, right? If I'm mistaken. Like he's a. Uh, his brother does. Patricio does. Oh, Patricio. All yeah. Right. Don't worry. I get. Okay. Is I still get them confused because, yeah. Go ahead. Naming naming your two sons virtually the same name. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So I think Patricky has a lot going for him, being the tournament favorite. But when I think about Luis Gustavo and the and and the performances he had, I mean. He knocked out Yusuke Yachi into like the the next uh, stratosphere or something, mm-hmm. and uh, he put up a really really strong performance against Kai Asakura earlier this year as well. So he has to be in the running to win this tournament. Um, I think Tofik Musayev is also a, a a dark horse as well because of how good of a striker he is. And Johnny Hollywood, Johnny Case, he's the most surprising of them all. I didn't think he would make it to the final four, but here he is. And um, if history has taught us with the Super Anime Grand Prix a few years back with Kana Asakura winning it, um, you can never tell what could happen. Johnny might end up winning this as well. But um, for me, I'm probably gonna have to go with the obvious and go with Pitbull winning it. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Sorry to also add, Christian. Uh, uh, Tofik Musayev is actually now training at. Uh, oh my God! I just totally forgot. Um, uh, oh, Team Alpha Male. Forgot. He trains at Team yeah. Alpha Male now in California. Um, Christian, who do you think uh, is gonna take this uh, lightweight tournament? In your opinion. Christian? Oh, no. Oh, he's disconnected? Oh, craps. Oh, he'll get back. He'll get back. Um, okay. Well, you know, I think, you know, regardless of of what happens, I think, my in my opinion, the clear winner, the, my, the clear favorite, I think, is Giant Case. I think he has <clears throat> dominated every opponent. Well, he's dominated every opponent that he's had in Ryzen. Um, two by yeah. Dr. Stoppage. The other one, he punched the guy in the eye, and the guy tapped out. Uh, Roberto Satoshi. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, look, I don't think I don't see the other. Th- I, I think he's just a a different level than the other three guys. I know. I think that no matter the outcome, he wins, whether it's against Tofik, uh, Patricky, uh, or um, no, sorry, Patricio, um, and um, uh, blah, 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 Luis Gustavo. Gustavo, yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I think like John, K- I think John Kidd is one of those guys who's just, who's just, you know, he's just, he's good at everything. I, I think, yeah. I think, and he, he's already used to torment style. I know that, that Patricio is also, but I think he's gonna be, he's gonna know how to fight. That's an important as well. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta know how, you gotta be prepared for two fights in the same night. I have no yeah. idea if Gustavo is is ready for that. I have no idea if Tofik is ready for that. 
I definitely know that Prestigio is because he was in the Bellator tournaments uh, that they yeah. had for featherweight way back when. And so yeah. did Johnny Case when he was at PFL a few years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I think regardless, you know, I think that the finals will come down to Johnny Case and Patricio both. But I think that in the I think Johnny Case will be will be the guy who comes out a winner in the end just because he's just, I think he's just a better a different level than uh I what I presume Patricio will be in that uh in that semifinal in the finals. Yeah, and that being said, I also hope that Johnny Case wins as well because you got a new star for Rising to build up as well. And from there, his stock is going to continue rising. So it'll be good to see Johnny Keys winning it. I, I'm really looking forward to the lightweight Grand Prix next, next week, seeing just how the tournament's going to play out. Uh, the, one, um, the one thing I will say I'm surprised about is, so if you saw, so they're going to be showing five fights on the uh, Fuji. Uh, uh, so I, just, I wanted to ask this, uh, Johan. Yeah. Do you watch Ryzen through Fight TV TV or is it aired on television in Malaysia or how do you how do you go about watching um, it? On Fight because we don't get Ryzen here unfortunately. Okay, so yeah, you've been a victim of uh, of the horrible intermissions that Ryzen has uh, bestowed upon us sometimes. Um, uh, you're referring to the intermissions, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I'm actually surprised the lightweight tournament is not going to be on. Fuji TV Live. It's actually going to be only... Uh, maybe they'll show clips of it or highlights from it, but it's so funny because the commercials, the Japanese television commercials on Fuji TV were specifically promoting the lightweight tournament. So I'm actually surprised that, not, that not even the finals is going to be on the uh, on the uh, live on Fuji, um, which will be uh, it'll, it'll be the last five fights of the card. So just, I'm just that's all I want to say is like I'm really surprised that this is not making. Uh, the fi- the final uh, the live uh, TV portion of the show. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. Although in some ways it could also be attributed to the fact that the card was still not finalized yet, and now that we have guys like Tenshin Nasukawa and Rena and uh, Kai Asakura and well both of the Asakura brothers actually, and yeah. then factor in uh, the Fyodor and Rampage fight from Bellator Japan that will be aired as well. So, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, unfair to not put the lightweight Grand Prix on there. Hopefully, there is some way they can compromise and say, okay, maybe we can put the Grand Prix in there. But since the lightweight Grand, since Fuji TV is, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know whether I would even call it airing live as well, since they're going to be showing the Fedor fight. But Hopefully, there is some way for them to make room for the lightweight grumpy finals to be added to the broadcast too. Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm most surprised about. Well, we'll talk about more about it when we get to that fight, the Lindsey Van Sand Reina fight. When I yeah. like, I'm listen. We all tension's always on TV. Um, Azakura brothers are on TV because they're like YouTube celebrities as well. Yeah. But Reina, Reina, and Lindsey Van Sand being uh, uh, being the opening live TV match? I don't know. It doesn't, like... I mean, I think that's a little bit, like, a little bit strange, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Maybe she's more popular. Oh, no, hey, Chris. When it comes to Raina Kubota, I mean, obviously, she lost against Lindsay Van Zandt. 
And now all Fuji TV wants to do is make it all about revenge when in actuality, and I talked to Lindsay Van Zandt. Actually, I think, Andrew, didn't we both talk to Lindsay Van Zandt? No, or was we, it just me? Uh, you did. I talked. We both talked to Jamie Henshaw separately. Well, right, right, right. But still, Lindsay Van Zandt, all she just wants to do is be, I mean, all she just wants to do is go in there, have fun, kick ass, and... Sweep Raina Kubota under the rug. And, oh, going back to the lightweight Grand Prix, but still, going back to the lightweight Grand Prix, which is a crying shame that they're not showing those fights in full on Fuji, but obviously Fight TV has a little show. I think it's going to be Patricky Pitbull versus Johnny Case in the finals, and Patricky Pitbull's going to win that title and go back to Bellator. Wait, for that title, Christian, is, is it Patricky or is it Patricio? I think it's Patricky. It's Patricky. Patricio is the one holding the double championship okay. in Bellator. And he's currently in the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. Gotcha, because <laughs> I, I forgot we're also, there's another Patricky also on... Well, Pat, uh, Patricky Mix will also be on the card, so that's why I'm getting my Patricky. Not Patricky, but Patrick, dude, Patrick. Oh no, but he, he also he also goes by he also goes by. Uh, I've heard I've heard some people call him Patricky as well. Patricky Mix, Patrick Mix, yeah. Patches no, Mix. No, he called Patrick Patchy, not Patricky. Oh God, this is this is too confusing. This is too confusing. Yeah. Um, what is it with like MMA okay, siblings with very similar names? The, the Nod Brothers? Oh. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. But when it comes down to the lightweight Grand Prix, though, I still think it's a crying shame that the folks in Japan are so damn stubborn that they want to basically put the event... I mean, like, most of the event in highlight form, because you're only going to get five fights out the whole ordeal, mm. and... Well... I mean, especially if you're in Japan, that must suck a lot of dick. I'm sorry for saying that. But no still, worries. Parental advice be suggested. Still, point of the matter is, it sucks that the Japanese fans are getting shafted like this when it comes down to airing the show. But, I mean, I mean but still, they're going to get five fights and they should be... I mean, they'll probably be at least a little bit happy off that. Also, just it like, would be cool if Fuji TV didn't play hardball and show the entire damn car. The other thing yeah. as well is f fight is is geo blocked. The well, Ryzen fights are geo blocked in Japan because I I realize I realized that myself when I tried to buy uh, one of the shows while I was in Japan. You cannot buy them. So unless you know you have to go through some. Uh, means through the high seas, as they say, um, or, you know, they hopefully show the highlights on the, on the Fuji TV, um, airing, uh, either at that time or at a later date or something, or YouTube, you know, if you, or you're there live, you, you're not going to see anything be, before those five matches, potentially, that's potentially what can happen, which, and it sucks, I think, I think it's really sucks. Yeah. I mean, the only other alternative is that it might air live on Sky Perfect TV, so that could be the other. Oh yeah, alternative and and Gal, but I know that I know yeah. that you know if somebody t if somebody tells you, oh hey, you want to watch the show on Gal or uh, Gal as well, F Fuji. The, I would assume that they would probably choose the, the where it's going to air free, uh, or yeah. instead of you know having to pay the extra money to see. Basically, I mean, it's like. 
It's kind of like it's it's like the opposite. It's kind of like the opposite of like how a UFC show is when they have like the, the free shows on on ESPN or whatever it is. Then you gotta pay to see the main card. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah. You get to see the the free the, the main card for free in Japan, but if you want to see the matches before that, the, uh, the uh, I guess technical prelims, you gotta pay for that. That that's kind of bizarre in my opinion. It, it, it's kind of fun. It's kind of weird the way it works over there. <laughs> Uh, but so wow, okay, I'm the lone man in this um, in in this uh, lightweight Grand Prix. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. How yeah. funny would it be if if neither if if Tofik or Luis Gustavo wins? That'd be so funny if that happens. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean it's it really it could go it, it could go anyway yeah. really. That's the, how great the lightweight Grand Prix is. You the, never know who's gonna end up winning it. Here's the other question. I well, the other thing as well is who who the fuck's gonna be alternates? They have not announced any alternate for this. I don't think there are going to be alternates because the full card has already been announced, and there doesn't seem to be any alternate fights. The, I, I mean, even if you look at the Super Atomic Grand Prix, which kind of Asakura won, there weren't any there weren't any alternates for that either. So I think they're going to base on the fact that these four are going to be the only ones competing in the tournament. We're not going to have alternates. If anything happens, maybe uh, let's say one fighter gets injured. Whoever that was competing in the previous fight that lost will probably get into the finals as well. Well, but here's hoping that all four of them are healthy and fresh and not suffer any injuries. I hope that nothing happens where like, oh, we got an accidental headbutt and we got two fighters who <laughs> ripped their heads open. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to say. I mean, that would be if that ha- if that would happen in both fights, that would just be like. I don't know what to say because that would be the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Yeah, the least they could do is have an is have an alternate have a match between the alternates, but make it so that it happens before the event starts. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, sort of like a pre-show dark match kind well, of thing. Well, I know what what Bellator did for their welterweight uh, tournament. They had John Fitch on standby. In case anybody got injured in the finals, and he just, yeah. I mean, he just like even did what he he made way and all that stuff. So I don't know. I I know that Damian Brown is not is not there. Uh, he's also injured right now. He tore his ACL. Oh, yeah. Um, Yoisaku is uh fighting Yachi a few days earlier at Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of uh who else. Um, uh, I mean I, I don't think they would coward would they have coward Jiri on standby. Potentially? Possible. Possible. If he's Ugh. up for it. I hope not, because that would, it would not end well for him, no matter who it is. So. Yeah, he's he's getting up there in age. As uh, much as I love Kawajiri, he's just getting up there in age. He's mm. not as great as he was, like, um, during the days he was competing in Pride and Dream. Now it's just, um, he's just there because we love seeing him fight, but we just can't expect to see him win, unless... A miracle happens. Yes, yeah. Um, with that, uh, Christian, would you... Exactly. With that being said, uh, do y'all want to go on to the next fight on the card? Yeah. Because we've already talked that none of them about the lightweight Grand Prix. Let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the fight. Yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> I see. And now we're going on to the Super Animate Division. 49 kilos, 108 pounds. As the Thai urban legend, Amp the Pocket Rocket, a.k.a. Amp the One Nine Boom Thorn, 
will take on the Japanese women's amateur wrestling icon and Crazy B's fighting queen B, Miyu Yamamoto. First, the particulars for F219 Boomstorm. She, four and two overall, five feet tall, 105 pounds, 50, 153 centimeters, about 47 kilos. Well, actually, 48 kilos, because that's the animate division in kilograms. 23 years old, born June 14, 1996. She represents Tan Thorn Jim and fights out of, well, she fights out of Phuket type. She fights out of Phuket top team and Thon Thorn Jim representing Phuket Thailand. <laughs> she only has had one rising appearance so far, and that was an armbar loss at Rising 18 to Ayaka Hamasaki. Other than that, she's fought twice in the deep jewel cage or ring, and three times in the cage of the Full Metal Dojo. Shout out to John A. Nutt. <laughs> yeah. Here, her opponent. It's the Japanese women's amateur wrestling icon who once competed at the famed Tokyo Dome. And so far, she is 5-4 and four in her professional MMA conquest. She is the brother, no, shit, the sister, older sister of the late great Noise Fumi Kid, Norris Fumi Kid Yamamoto. Her name? Is crazy. Her nickname is Crazy Bee's Fighting Queen Bee, but you may know her as, and I hope I don't get discredited for saying this, <laughs> Milfy Me You Yamamoto, age 45, born August the 4th, 1974 in Kawasaki, Kanagawa, Japan. She represents the Gen Sports Academy and her brother's fame. Crazy the Academy, but also resides or fights out of Guam by way of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where she also fights or tries to fight for an Olympic opportunity competing on the Canadian national wrestling team not too long ago. She got denied and ended up enjoying the experience and taking her butt back home to Japan. But since she started her professional MMA journey back out, back on September 25th, 2016, with a submission guillotine choke loss to Raina Kubota, it seems like it's either kill or be killed in this case. All five of her wins are by way of unanimous decision. All Three, all, all four of her wins are by way of devastating finish. <clears throat> Two of which in the first round, obviously, Raina Kubotson, the Cleason, Andy Nguyen with the, no, it actually, she lost via submission in the first round to Raina Kubotson, the Cleason, Andy Nguyen. She lost via third round submission back on October 15, 2017 to Irene Cabela Rivera, and she most recently lost to the now current rising super animate championship contender, D.O.P. Hom. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and pick that Miyu wins this fight via, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that Miyu is going to win this fight against Amp Superman because, of course, 
They say age ain't nothing but a number, but I think Miu will use that age and experience in wrestling to her advantage, but do you think it's about time for Miu to finally get a finish and, you know, respect her brother's name and style? After you, Johan. I hope so. I mean, um, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no denying that Miu is an incredible grappler. I can't really say much for her striking. Amp might be probably the better striker compared to Miu, so she will have that advantage. And if knowing Miu, she will probably have to play it safe and use her grappling as well. That being said, um, I I am probably gonna go out of left field and say she's probably gonna get some kind of submission in the third round at most um probably either gonna be an armbar or a rear naked choke but i agree with you that i'd like to see miu finish her fights this time whether she is able to do so or not it's it's, it's really entirely up to what she and her team have planned against amp but either way I see Miu winning this fight. Uh, so you think that that Miu will will, will win? Uh, sorry, will submit uh, Amp? Yeah. Man, why am I? Are you two gang? Did you two meet up beforehand and saw you're gonna gamp on me? Because I'm no. thinking the opposite. <laughs> I think that Amp is gonna is gonna submit Miu. Miu has his Miu's submission defense while has gone better. Mm. I still I think. I think Amp gets gets a hold of her. I think that Amp can easily summon her. Like, almost, like it's so funny, the way that she took down Ayaka, but obviously Ayaka is a much higher level ga- grappler, obviously yeah. was able to withstand, you know, saw what, what, what Amp was trying to do, and was like, nope, that ain't going to work, and I'm going to submit you instead. That's what happened. I think that Amp mm-hmm. is, going, is, is a superior grappler to Miyu, and she's going to, I think that Miyu will easily summon her in the first round. God, why am I, am I, stop getting up on me, this is not nice, this is not, <laughs> not fair to me. Um, understood, understood, but you know what, I got a question to ask, let's just say if Miu loses again the finish, this time a very quick knockout, you know, to even her losses, I mean, do you think it'll be about time for her to just put the gloves in the middle of the ring and call it a career? Uh, what do you think, Johan? Uh, I, I, I don't... Uh, I don't know. I think she has at least one more year left in her to fight. I, I think she mentioned something about hanging out her gloves eventually. I just can't remember exactly when she plans to hang up. At the same time, I do hope we get to see more of her son, Erson Yamamoto, competing as well. So it's it's kind of funny he's not on the card this year yeah. compared to when he was on the card last year, but um, hopefully this will give him a chance to sort of like, uh, to sort of rise up and motivate him to carry on the Yamamoto legacy, but it remains to be seen. I I don't know whether she was gonna be I don't know whether she's gonna hang up the gloves if she loses this next fight. Because I think in the back of her head, she still wants to represent Kit's uh, name and memory as well. Because, you know, the, you know, Kit's death really affected her in so many ways. Um, so I think she will probably continue on fighting for at least 
give give at least one year at most um maybe maybe two maybe two at most but at least one year gotcha uh yeah i i don't know what well, well, you know i don't know i mean she started when she was when she, when she was like 39 40 you know she she can still i mean it's it's more like that she just can't no. end- MMA when she was 42. Wow. Really? Oh, that late? Oh, wow. I didn't know she started that late. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. She's still athletic. She could still, you know, go athletically. I don't know if, you know, don't forget, wins and losses are treated differently, particularly in Japan, particularly in Ryzen. It's not, you know, it's not like UFC, three losses and you're out, you know. Mm. So, I don't, I don't, would would I if she if she got a an even record uh even win loss record would I keep her around? I mean I wouldn't I mean I wouldn't get rid of her. I there's obviously still still, still some name value in the Yamamoto um name, so I don't see why they would not keep her around regardless of, of her record. Yeah, and another thing about Japan is that unlike the UFC where you know you have that whole three losses and you're out, there's I I think that. Japan likes to play with emotions a lot. So the thing with Miyu is that, you know, because of how old she is and because she's tied to the Yamamoto name, being being Kate Yamamoto's sister and all that, there's a lot of um, emotional attachment between the fans and her and the rest of the family for that matter. So I think she's going to stick around for a bit longer for that. Uh, but that's also up to Sakakibara if he still wants to keep her or whether she feels, you know what, maybe it's about time you hang it up as well. Because I believe he has the final say as well, being the guy who runs the show. Understood, understood. Especially considering the fact that when it comes down to, you know, what Nobuyuki Sakakibara does, I mean, he's... The, he's one of the last people, I guess, now to, you know, keep the Yamamoto name and tradition running, in this case, as far as putting them over and showcasing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that, Christian, you want to move on to the next fight? Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to this 136.6 pound or 62 kilogram kickboxing bout. Between the Hypernova Tiger Tobabe and the Prince of Rise World Series, Taiju Shiratori. First of all, the particulars for Tiger Kowabe, the Hypernova, age 23, born August the 14th, 1996, in Aikawa, Kanagawa, Japan. He represents the Tri Hard Gym along with his brother. Hiroya Urabe, no, Hiroya Kuwabe, and fights out of Sagami Hara, Osaka, Japan. No, wait, actually, I messed that up. Let me go ahead and, I mean, see, this is what happens when you end up doing your research on the fly, kid. Don't try and do it like me. <laughs> no worries. Uh, let me go ahead and... Let me go ahead and try and do this over. He's 23 years old, born August the 14th, 19, 
born August the 14th, 1996, in Aikawa, Kanagawa, Japan. He fights at the Tri-Hard Gym in Sagami-Hara, Kanagawa, Japan. Let's see. He, as far as height and weight, he's 5'5", 132.3 of 21 wins, 10 losses, and 1 draw, with 6 wins by way of knockout. He is currently 1, 1, no, he is currently 1, 2, and 1 inside the Ryzen ring, with his most recent outing beat, with his most recent outing be a unanimous decision in a loss to the man he faces this time around, once again, the Prince, Taiju Shiratori, the former shoot boxer and professional, well, the shoot boxer and former professional boxer, <clears throat> who was also a teammate of Tenshin Nakakawa. Born February 2nd, 1996, in Tokyo, Japan, age 23. He is 6 feet tall, 182 centimeters. He weighs in at 134 and a half pounds, 61 kilos on the button. And he fights out of Team Tepin in Matsudo, Chiba, Japan, but calls Tokyo his home. He holds an outstanding kickboxing record of 18 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw. 8 of his wins by way of knockout, and he is currently undefeated in Ryzen Fighting Federation competition at 3-0. and Defeating and knocking out Yoshio Uza Strong Uza Suyo at the Ryzen Yaranoka event back on December 31st, 2018. He also defeated Hiroto Yamaguchi at Ryzen 16 via unanimous decision back on June 2nd in Kobe. And he defeated Tiger Kawabe in the aforementioned Battle of Ryzen 19 back on October 12th. So all I gotta say is, lightning strike twice for the Ryzen 61 kilogram World Series champion, or will the former K-1 Kings who is still wide beyond his years, finally get revenge. Who you got and why? After you, <laughs> after you, Johan? Uh, Shiratori. <laughs> uh, probably by decision. I mean, um, this fight itself, I mean, they had a great outing the last time they fought. <laughs> and... I won't expect anything less in their rematch here for Ryzen 20. Uh, I've watched Shiratori in Rise as well, and that guy is, he's phenomenal in the ring. He is really, really fun to watch. And the fact that he's training at Tension's gym as well only makes him even better as well. Um, that's not to say that Tiger isn't, isn't, anywhere near that level because he is a former K1 champion after all. Uh, brother to Hiroya, who himself is a pretty good, a pretty darn good fighter too. Um, kind of ironic because Hiroya was competing in Dynamite uh, 10 years ago and now Taiga's, it's Taiga's turn to compete as well. Um, 
I, it is going to be a very close fight, I think. I think Tiger's going to learn and absorb everything that he had, had had taken from the last fight and use it to his advantage in this fight. But I think Shiratori's on a roll, so I'm probably going to go with Shiratori uh, by decision. I don't see this fight ending by knockout or anything. Uh, Christian, you want to go? Then I'll give my thoughts about this fight. Uh, yeah, when it comes to this particular fight, I think that Shiratori is going to probably punish Tiger some more because, think about it, Tiger wants to prove that the first fight was a fluke. All Shiratori just wants to do is prove how much of a prince he's turning out to be, and he really wants to eventually become the lightweight king of Rise. So I think all that is going to do probably not Tiger Philly, then make him regret the fact of even signing up to challenge him again. And it's probably going to be via knockout in the first or second round. So, I'm going to say, Johan, I do not believe you. I think you two plan to gang up on me because I am <laughs> picking Tiger to win this. <laughs> that match was so awesome. The last one at Ryzen 19 was awesome. That was my favorite fight of the night. Um, I thought that Tiger could have won this, and he almost could have. He got the knockdown, I think, twice, maybe. No, he got one knockdown on Taiju in the third round. But what happened was that um, he got knocked down twice previously, and then he started, he started, you know, smiling and putting his fist out and all that stuff, and basically he lost the fight himself. I'm hoping he does not do it again this time. I was on the Tiger hate train um, earlier this year because he looked terrible in all of his in all of his rising and fights and in rise as well. But after the the fight that he did that he had in Ryzen 19, I'm back on the on the Tiger train. I'm gonna say Tiger takes this. He's gonna win by knockout in the second round. I, I feel like Christian and I have this kind of like connection that we can seem sort of like read on each other without even knowing. Not right, man. It's not right. This is it's not right. God, I, I can't believe. All... Hey, Andrew, are you sure you want to carry all that weight? I'm going to carry all this. No, listen. I am go. I will go to. I will go down. This is a hill I will die on. I think that Tiger. We're going to see a resurgence of Tiger, starting. Well, he beat Mashida. He called her Mashida, uh, and then came close to defeating uh, Shiratori. But I think at 2020, we're gonna see a new Tiger. I hope he's gonna start. You know, he's gonna start taking his shit seriously. He's gonna start. You know, I don't know if maybe he's got like cut less weight because I know also he's a pretty heavy guy for his weight class, which is you no. Know, they're also doing this again, this rematch at uh, Catchweight. By the way, you gotta love ja ja uh, Japanese combat sports. They fought about uh, Women's Rising 19 two months ago, I think. Yeah. And now October, they're fighting. October. And they're fighting again. Listen, you would never have a, a turnaround for a rematch like that so quickly. Um, yeah. So you got a lot of Japanese, Japanese MMA. But listen, I, th I think that Tiger, you know, if Tiger wins, you know what? Do a third match, by all means. Okay. To be fair, I would love to see Tiger win as well, only because, you know. Maybe we could see him being matched up with Tenshin Nasakawa if um, oh, that's yeah, a, I don't want to stir the Hornets next year. That's the fight that, that that's the fight they're trying to make, even though it's a fight they yeah. shouldn't make because Tenshin will, will win easily. 
But yes, that seems like Rise has been like begging for that fight to I happen. Mean, that's the closest thing that we could get since, you know, I don't want to sort of harness Ness, but I don't think we're going to be getting tension versus Tacheru in like the foreseeable future. But, <laughs> but. You're probably right. That's well, why I'm like Anything this. can happen. Anything can happen. But yeah. we'll have to see. Yeah. If, if, that, if that match falls, falls through, at least there's, there's still tension versus Taiga to make up for it. <laughs> Uh, well, apparently, it's actually, I'm going to say it's three-on-one because Philip Nix in the in the chat also agrees to your toy. So I guess I'm going to be a lone wolf on this one, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. This is a hill I'm willing to die on. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll move on to the next fight, Christian. Yeah, let's go ahead and go to the next fight because I think it's going to be one with a lot of interest yeah. as far as what both the most you got the former T-Champion Yuki Motoya versus the former King of the Cage, Bantamweight Champion, and current Bellator Superstar, who's currently riding a two-fight win streak in that promotion, Patrick Patchy, no love mix. First of all, <laughs> the particular for Patchy mix. 5'11", 136 pounds, 180 centimeters, 62 kilos for the 32-inch reach. Age 26, born August the 16th, 1993. He fights out of Western New York MMA and Fitness and Jackson Winklejohn. He resides in Albuquerque, New Mexico, USA, but is originally from the Snowy Cap of Western New York, more specifically, Buffalo, New York, USA. And need I forget to mention, he is currently riding a 23-fight win streak as an undefeated professional at 12-0 and an undefeated amateur at 11-0. The former king of the cage, bantamweight champion, he is a former Tired and true as an amateur, and he's a former tired and true as an amateur featherweight champion as well. Now, on to his opponent, who is the former deep bantamweight champion who ended up losing his belt to Josh Barnett trainee Victor Henry. And hold on one second. I'm sorry, the second screen experience is kind of messing up on me because the Wi Fi sucks. So just bear with me. No worries. Yeah. I mean, still, I just find it hard to believe that when it comes down to Patrick Nick, he's taking this fight, and he's only competed in two Bellator contests. I guess there must be something that Scott Coker loves about these young prospects that you know, a lot of these other MMA promotions ain't really keeping tabs on. And before I continue on just blabbering about, let's go ahead and, you know, talk about Yuki Montoya for a second. Just give me a minute. Give me a second here. It's loading up. Well, you see, this is the problem with these things. <laughs> I just wish I would have had a faster cell phone or faster Wi-Fi. I don't know. I can take. What to do? Did it, well, Christian, if not, I could. I could take over for you. 
No, 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 no. It's okay. You probably might butcher up where exactly he's from, and I like to be more specific when it comes down to these fighters. Uh, Nah, you know what? I'm not going to take any chances. You, Andrew, why don't you explain a little bit more about Yuki Matoya? Okay, Yuki Matoya. 23-7-1 no contest. Originally from, oh, fighting out of, I should say, originally from Kaga, Ishikawa, Japan, but fights out of Nagoya Aichi out of Team CB Impact. Uh, 30 years old, 5'7", uh, 170 centimeters. Uh, he is currently riding a two-fight losing streak. Uh, one being uh, losing the Bantamweight, uh, Deep Bantamweight Championship to Victor Henry uh, back in March. And then a very close split decision in an awesome fight at Ryzen 17 to Hiramasa Ogikubo. And uh, another grappler as well who has many submission wins uh, from uh, on his record along with uh, Patchy Mix. Uh, both are known for rear naked chokes. That is a favorite move of both of theirs. And this is a fight I am looking forward to the most. But I don't want to be. I don't want to take up the entire time talking about it. So I want to start off with you, Johan. Are you looking forward to this fight? And who do you think is going to win this awesome matchup? I am looking forward to this fight. As for who I think will win, I'm probably going to go with Patrick Mix. <laughs> um, it's a I tough. Mean, the it's fact tough. That he's already on. The fact that he's on a on a on a on a win streak <laughs> is um, is definitely. He's, he's riding that wave of momentum going to this fight. I mean, Yuki Motoya is definitely going to be a very, very tough opponent for him. But he has a lot riding on his shoulders, representing Bellator, wanting to make Scott Cooker, you know, proud of him and all. So with that pressure and the fact that he's on that win streak, I think he's going to be able to ride that momentum in his favor. Um, how he's gonna win, I think, uh, probably submission somewhere in round two. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, Christian, what do you think? Well, like I said earlier on in the call, when it comes down to, when it comes down to Bellator and the prospects, especially Patrick Nick. They just love. They just love getting these names out when they're young. I mean, when they're young into their careers, just so that when they are ready to lock them to the world, they can be ready to showcase their talent to the world. And I think when it comes down to Patrick Mix, you're gonna have that a lot. You're gonna have all those what if comparisons, but. As far as, you know, the fight game goes, as far as this fight is concerned, I really hope that he puts the hurting on Yuki Motoya. And it's probably going to be by way of submission, too, because, of course, he knows his way around submission. He's a fucking wrestler. And I think he's going to be submitting Motoya in the first or second round. <laughs> Well, I just also wanted to, to tell you both uh, that uh, Motoya has nine submission wins 
and Patricky Patchy, sorry, Patchy Mix has eight submissions. So they both are very close when it comes to their submission wins. Um, I just wanted to uh, uh, also go, oh, Christian, uh, did you want to read what the uh, yeah. what the topology people say about this uh, fight? If it's a uh, um, if it's up. Uh, Damn it. I forgot to even think about doing this for the other few fights that we talked about earlier. I'll, I'll, I'll go over them. Uh, I'll go, go over them. No, no, I'll go over them. I'll go over them uh, very fast. So, um, at, I the end, uh, at the end of the podcast? I, I could do it right now. Um, let's see. Oh, for, so. Okay, you go ahead and go over the other fights, and I will talk about the Patrick, I mean, Patrick Mix, Yuki Montoya fight. See, y'all, pretty almost fucked up the same way you did on that name. No, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, we already talked about Miyu Yamamoto and, uh, and Pocket Rocket. Um, Miyu is the overall favorite, 72%, uh, to win that. Um, we, uh,. Let's see. Oh, Johnny Case is considered the favorite to uh, at, uh, uh considered uh, yeah, a, a, a favorite at sixty four percent, beating uh, Musayev and Patricky Pitbull. My God, ninety five percent pick him to win over Luis Gustavo. Um, obviously, there's the finals. We don't know who's gonna win there, so there's no there's nothing listed here on uh tapology. Now this I want now with Patricky Mix and Yuki Matoya. I think that these numbers, I, I'm actually surprised at these numbers. They uh, Overall, Tapology people pick uh, Patricky Mix to win at 89%. So only 11% of, uh, are picking Motoya to win. And I don't know if that's a, it's lack of knowledge of Motoya. Um, perhaps it is. But you know what? You're going to have to add me to, to that 89%. And you know what? All three of us are picking Mix to win. Mix, I think. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Unanimous. So I guess when it comes down to this, it's pretty much a unanimous decision. Yeah, listen, you know, yeah. this is the fight I'm looking forward to the most because even though I think that we're all, we all think that Mix can win, you know what? That's not, a, that's not to discount Matoya. It's a, this is one of those fights where like, I, you know, I, I think that Mix will win, but I can see Matoya easily winning as well. It's like I feel like they both are like so equal, especially on the ground. Uh, we remember that uh, Matoya got that awesome TP uh, scissors choke on uh, Justin Scoggins. Uh, we got uh, uh, Apache Mix doing sue-off stretches uh, to, um, who was it? Was it Did he do the uh, sue-off stretch to uh, Bandeus? I think it was, Christian? You happen to remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and I saw uh, Mix's, I think it was his second or first, was it his first fight in Bellator earlier this year at the, at the, MSG show where he got the backpack choke on uh, uh, the Damian Maya backpack rear naked choke on his opponent, um, and yeah, it's like I I don't know how this fight will if it goes all through all three rounds I'll be I won't be surprised, uh, but like I'm so excited for this fight because I just don't know how I just don't know how it's gonna end. That's why I'm, I'm it, it's and yeah you know I think that Mix is one of the future stars of MMA at this point. Um, I hope that Bellator keeps a tight leash on him. Uh, he doesn't go to, um, any other organizations that might, uh, that might, uh, misuse his talents, I'll say. So, uh, but with that, uh, 
finally, we all come in agreement on something. Really glad we come to yeah, agreement. Yeah, about time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that, Christian, you want to go on to the next fight? Sure, I'll let me get my pillow. That's all I need to say. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you can't mention that he's a former IGF heavyweight champion. That's all there is about him in MMA accomplishments. And he's currently a champion for Heat and Serbian Battle Championship, well, Serbian Battle Combat. He's currently employed by the likes of the Professional Fighters League, Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, and KSW in Poland. You yeah. can say all that. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, also, uh, he uh, had he had a match at PFL 2019 number six against Jared Rochalt, and that sounds like the most boring fight of all time. Satoshi Ishii versus Jared Rochalt. I I just cannot believe that that match actually happened in this. Uh, in this universe, and like, and like, well, you actually probably couldn't believe that he had two fights in Bellator, one with Rampage Jackson and the other with King Bubba. And they both sound incredibly bo Those, those both those sound incredibly boring. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his um, record. But as far as this particular goes, he's five feet ten inches tall, two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah. That's what else is there to say about? Born, obviously, he was born, I think, 
in Osaka. December the... No, I, I was saying what date was he born in. I know he was born December 23rd, 1988 in Osaka, Japan. So that means today he's 31 years old. Uh, happy birthday, Mr. Uh, Ishii. Um... Yeah, that's all I gotta say. I, I listen. I think it's gonna be obvious who I'm picking in this fight. So um, I guess the, 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 the Johan, who do you, who do you who do you pick to win in this fight? Please don't pick Ishii. Uh, Please don't pick Ishii. <laughs> well, you oh, know God. I was there for Ishii's debut ten years ago at Dynamite, oh. and uh, he lost. He lost quite a battle against Hidehiko Yoshida. Um, the less said, the better, I guess. <laughs> um, I think what happened 10 years ago, at, at least as far as the results go, is going to repeat itself 10 years later. Ishii's not going to beat Jaekyun. I think Jaekyun's going to beat him. Um, I'm not sure how the fight is going to end, though. I think it might... For me, I really hope that Kyun will finish early, but it might probably go to a unanimous decision for Jay Kyun. Oh, I, I'm worried if it goes to a decision, then Ishii will win, because that's how he always wins his fights, is by decision. Because he, yeah. he hugs his opponents to death. That's what he does. He doesn't do anything. I, I, saw, him, yeah. I saw him fight Heath Herring. Uh, no, I, oh. I saw the Heath Herring fight at, at Ryzen, and yeah. I think up until that time, that was the worst Ryzen fight of all time, until... Uh, Hope you have uh, Shibisai decided to take that uh, great honor. Um, yes, I hope that Hyun finishes this early because here's well here's a here's a good thing. If Ryzen plans to have ninety minute intermissions, you know what? I'll be nice and prepared because if Ishii is gonna, it looks like he's gonna win this. I'm gonna be falling asleep and I'm gonna get a nice fifteen minute rest and probably be able to survive an intermission if it happens. Um, yeah. Christian. I think you're on the JQ train as well, I hope. Yeah, but let me go ahead and explain this about Ishii because I think we may as well be discredited. Yeah. He's 22-10-1 as a professional mixed martial artist. 10 of his 22 wins via submission. He is a 6 don black belt in judo, obviously former Olympic gold medalist. And a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yet he tends to bore the fuck out of all of us when it comes down to his particular style of fighting field. It's no fucking wonder why he only had one rising, well actually no, three rising bouts. So far in the promotion young history because he fought for rising, on that first show, December 29, 2015, got knocked the fuck out by Yuri Prohaska, and obviously that made Yuri into the star. Then after, I mean, into a star that he currently is. Then after taking the losses to Quentin Rampage Jackson and King Mo, he, of course, bored us all, losing, I mean, defeating Heath Herring. Yeah. The Texas crazy horse. And to be quite honest, if he does tend to get the win in this fight, who's to say he won't bore the hell out of us all over again? No, he will. Still, dude's kind of... Yeah, he probably will. But the dude's currently riding a two-fight losing streak. 
Obviously, the Jared Fisher role show and Dean Hutzoff under the PFL tournament format. But to be honest, it's probably why I said to, I mean, it's probably why I said in the Jake Hewn interview that myself and Andrew had, which is currently out on SoundCloud and Stitcher, if you ain't got it, go get it. I mean, still, it's why I said as long as the fight's not boring, JQ will be kicking Satoshi Ishii's ass, and I think that's what's going to happen. But I just hope that the fight is at least somewhat exciting because well, I don't want to fall asleep trying to, well, that's, you know, fall off on everything. Hugh's going to be the one who makes it entertaining. Hard. I really don't. Hugh's going to be the one who makes it entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be absolutely him who makes it entertaining. Yeah. If, if Ishii gets his way, though, it's going to be not entertaining, and it's going to put everybody to sleep. And I gotta read this now because I find this this absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Tap topology. They pick Ishii to win overwhelmingly, seventy seven percent. I gotta say, f you, tapology guys. This is <laughs> that is not. I don't know what no, you. No, no, no. You can go ahead and say the full word, which I want to say to them. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with y'all? I think that I think it's a case of just them picking. I'm, oh, I. I think they pick him because probably they've like, oh, I know who Satoshi Ishii is. You know, I saw PFL. I used to watch Pride. I know who he is. I don't know who this Jake Hewn guy is or something like that. That's what oh, they're going to think. Oh, he trains for a cool cop, so maybe he's good. Oh, yeah. Or something. Wasn't it Jake Hewn during mention our interview that oh, I'm trying, or who, I remember who, who, I think it was, um, or was it Teep when we did the rapid fire? Who, who oh, I remember someone said that, that, you know, oh, you know, uh, he thinks he's a striker now because he she trains with Krokop. Do you remember who told us that, Christian? Was it Jake? I think that was Pete. I think that was Pete. Oh, that was Pete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a case, yeah. And I could definitely tell you, watching his PFL fights, Satoshi Ishii's uh, striking is still the same as it was probably when he fought uh, Yoshida. It has not changed in that in that almost 20 years. Uh, I just got to read something out from chat for a bit. Lofty 2 says, Satoshi Ishii or Darren Caldwell. Death is not an option. Death is not an option. Uh, Losty, um, by the death. way, shout out to Losty. Always, always interacting with us on Twitter as well. Uh, yeah. and what is uh, most boring? I think there are people yeah. who sat through two fights, 50 minutes of lay and pray for the sleep. Uh, listen, no, Losty, you got to say that. Problem with, here's the thing. Satoshi Ishii is also a heavyweight. Heavyweights don't fight like this. If this is, you know, if you, you know, this is something like the people who, who do the type of things that Ishii does tend to be like, I expect that from like middleweights, welterweights, lightweights. Yeah. That's what, that's like their thing when, you know, lay and pray, uh, you know, that's like John Fitch. That's what John Fitch does. He lays and prays uh, on his opponents for, for three rounds, five rounds if he's got to. Ishii's a heavyweight. The whole point of headweights that you're supposed you're supposed to be knocking out guys, or if you know if you're Fabricio Verdum, supposed to be submitting guys. He's doing he's he's and like Cain Velasquez is a wrestler, but he ain't he ain't dry humping guys. 
for his, yeah. his, his UFC career. And Rampage, when he was heavyweight, he wasn't dry humping UFC guys, wasn't dry humping guys as well. Listen, Ishii's doing the exact opposite of what a heavyweight is supposed to do. Sorry, uh, sorry, okay. Johan, go ahead. <laughs> um, let me just think. Uh, oh gosh, what was I gonna say again? <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry. It's just, I, oh, it's I, all right. It's all right. Um, I kind of forgot. I was also gonna say that I was also gonna say that Lay and Pray is something that George Saint Pierre is also known for, controversially, depending on who you who you talk to as well. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you that that is something that that most middleweights and well and welterweights would favor. Not so much heavyweights. Heavyweights tend to like they tend to bang and they, t- they tend to stand and bang basically, or they tend to look for the finish as much. As early as they can. Yeah. So I agree with you about Ishii being the the opposite of what heavyweight MMA fighters should be. Yeah. And I also want to bring up the fight that he had with Jerome LeBanner at uh, I think it was Dynamite 2010. He won the fight and he got booed out of the building as well. Yeah. So you got fuck up. You got you got you got fuck up badly to be booed in Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah, the same thing. I think the same thing happened to him when he had the Heath Herring fight uh, yeah. at Ryzen. I think he was getting booed, he was getting booed there as well. Um, and actually, yeah, again, you know, you brought up uh, Losty too. You brought up Darian Caldwell. Great example of a guy who tried to lay his play, lay and pray his way to victory and it wound up biting him in the ass two times. And now he's going to try it again. Uh, in a different weight division. So, yeah, exactly. That, that's the weight division you kind of expect that stuff to go on. But not, not the heavyweights. Not at all. Jay Kuhn, please win this, for God's sakes. We beg you. Because then we can interview again, and you can save us from uh, Ishii uh, Sleep Fest. Um, I'm going to tweet Jay Kuhn and tell him to win as well later. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. Uh, yeah. Christian, you want to go on to the next fight in this exciting card? Yeah. Yes, because talking about Satoshi Ishii almost made me literally fall asleep. Let's go ahead and talk about the next fight now, which should be a pretty interesting battle in the Bantamweight division as two of the four pillars of the division get set to face off against each other. You know, Masa Oki Kubo versus Shintaro Ishiwatari. First of all, the particulars for the former, or current in this case, Shudo Pacific Rim Flyweight Champion, Hiro Masa Ogikubo. He's 5 feet 3 inches tall, 161 centimeters. He weighs in at 134 pounds, or right around the 51 kilogram mainframe. He's 32 years old, born April Fool's Day, 1987, representing Parasta Matsudo in Matsudo, Chiba, Japan. He is obviously a former, no, he is obviously a current or former Shudo champion who has made his way in that promotion with the greatest ease and addition to fighting for Valley Shudo, Japan. And he's currently a rising star who's basically fighting as if he has, as the people here in the U.S. say, no more fuck to give. 
But still, he's got a lot to offer. Now, Andrew, can you please tell us about his opponent, Shintaro Ishimatari? Ah, yeah, Shintaro Ishimatari. For those of you also who don't know, we just recently did an interview with him as well, which will be up shortly. Uh, Shintaro Ishimatari is no stranger to JMMA. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the sport uh, for a long time. Shintari Shutari, originally from Osaka, now fights out of Tokyo, out of the cave uh, team. Uh, 5'7", uh, and weighs in 134 pounds, and is 34 years old, with a record of 26, 7, and 4. He's only lost once in Ryzen, and that was to the man himself, Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, back at the uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix in 2017. Um, Akura Kyoji Horiguchi has also defeated Hiromasa Oji Kubo. Yes. And obviously, when it comes to the former King of Pancrase champion Ishimatari, he's got a bone to grind. He's got probably the biggest bone to grind with Kyoji Horiguchi. Than any other person on the rising bantamweight roster, but this fight's gonna be between two hard-hitting bantamweights. Who do y'all see is gonna win this fight, and why? So before before anybody answers, I just want to read what. Uh, so they had a press conference when they announced this fight. And both Ishuatari and Okikubo were there. This is what Ishuatari said. So I just want to say this because you might want to keep this in mind uh, uh, if you haven't already made your pick. Ishuatari said, I am not happy with the fact that Manel Cape got the title fight and not me. My opponent is very tough, referring to Okikubo, and he will not be easy to take out. But I will take all my emotions and frustrations of my current situation and put it out on my opponent. I will win. And I will be the next in line for the title. With that said, Johan, I want to give you the opportunity to pick, uh, to say who you think will win this match. You just made this very easy for me. <laughs> oh, I did great. Um, on, but then again, I I already had Ishi, I already was picking Ishiwatari to begin with as well. I mean, I kind of feel that what he said had whole merit since you know he was the guy that Horiguchi beat to become. Bantamweight Grand Prix champion, and you know, I was thinking, I was also thinking about the knockout that he gave uh, Kevin Petchy in that same tournament too. Yes. So he has a lot of knockout power, aside from the fact that he is a very, very well accomplished grappler. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely anyone's game here, but I'm leaning more towards Ishiwatari, also because of you know the frustrations that he has not being the guy to fight Kai Asakura in the main event, uh, to contend for the bantamweight title. So, and, and at the same time, there could be implications for this match that whoever wins could also be next in line. So, there's that motivating factor for Ogikubo as well. But I think it seems like Ishiwatari seems to want this more than Ogikubo does. So, I'm leaning more towards Ishiwatari winning this match. Interesting, interesting. Christian? Your thoughts on this, on this, I guess it will be a number one, a de facto number one contenders match for the uh, next person to get a Bantamweight title shot. Mm-hmm. It is probably going to be a de facto number one contender fight. But when it comes to Ishiwatari, and we did interview him, he kind of felt a little bit 
nervous about the fact that he may have been, I mean, that he may potentially be a number one contender, but as far as overall durability goes and as far as this fight goes, I'm going to pick Oji Kubo to win this because, well, I think that Oji Kubo has nothing left to fight for. <laughs> and people here in North America, they love a good story of redemption. And I think that Oki Kubo is going to find his way to redeem himself off of this victory, I mean, off of a potential victory over Ishii Batari. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah, Christian, I agree with you. Sorry, Johan, but I think that this no is going to be Oki Kubo's <laughs> night. Um, Ogi Kubo, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I can't remember if you mentioned it, Christian, but also, you know, came close to being, uh, getting the, uh, title shot against DJ, uh, Demetrius Johnson, uh, a few years ago, when, uh, fortunately he lost to Tim Elliott on The Ultimate Fighter, and, uh, if you remember from the Rise of Confessions videos, and this, I'll say that his Rise of Confessions video story is probably the most, I guess, heartbreaking or most emotional, where basically, uh, what happened was that his wife left him, uh, after the uh, after he uh, lost the Ultimate Fire um, fight, and then he was living like in a one room apartment. Uh, I don't know if you if you have you seen those confessions videos, uh, Johan? I I haven't had the chance to watch all of them yet. Oh, uh, but uh, like the, the most emotional. And then you know he had the he had the fight of Horiguchi, which I thought the uh, back in uh, uh, Ryzen, which I thought was a stupid fight to make because if, if if Horiguchi lost that fight, he lost to a guy he beat he defeated. Handily years ago and all that stuff, but the the heart that he put into that match, you know, my God, I, I I was I was biting my teeth hoping that he would somehow win this during that match, and then he had the uh, the uh, rematch of oh, not the rematch but the match with uh, Yuki Matoya at, at seventeen this year where he came very close to very it was a very close fight, but he edged out a win just because he was able to just outgrapple Matoya. I think that that Kubo's story from basically a loser on the Ultimate Fighter, losing you know his wife and all that stuff, uh, has been has been a, an incredible story of up of upward mobility. And I hope that he wins, he beats Ishiwatari so that he can get uh, the title shot against uh, whoever wins the main event. I think it'd be incredible. I think his story is absolutely incredible. Um, it's one of those stories that you know. That it's it'll be a great Cinderella story um, yeah. for JMMA if if he were to win this, I think. I agree, and I think because of that, this fight has become even more um, well personal, but not in a sense that these guys want to tear each other apart. They have their own goals in mind. Yes, they have their own setbacks that they have faced that they want to overcome. So I think. Story-wise, this is a very, very good match to make. And oh, okay. I can't wait to see what the what the fight will turn out to be like and what the results will be as well. I think I would even be fair to say that probably Ishii Tiger is the better fighter. I think I think he's mm -hmm. honestly the better fighter. Uh, but I just, like, this is a case of where I'm not going for who the better fighter is, but what my heart is telling me. And I, my heart so is... So, particularly sentimental favorite. Is that he's a sentimental favorite, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it'll be, you know, and... You know, probably for people in Japan or, you know, who've been following JMMA a, long, a longer time, might, if they may, you know, they might say the opposite. You know, Ishii Atari, you know, after vacating the uh, the Pancreas title, 
Uh, they may, may be like, you know, this is his time to, you know, get a title that's even bigger. You know, get his biggest shot at, 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 a, at, at a stage in MMA. Because he's been, he's been with Shudo, Sengoku. Uh, I think he was, was VTJ as well. He's, he's, never been, he's always been in, in the B-level promotions. And now this is his, final, his, his opportunity to potentially get the shot at an A-level promotion title. You know, I don't know if he's ever been ever been ever been offered anything from USC or Bellator, but you know, but if you know if that's never been on the table for him, this could be his one shot to uh, potentially become a number one contender for a for a major title for a major organization. Not to say that Shuto and Pancreas and all those organizations are just they're not it's not they're just not on the same level that Ryzen is on. Is all I'm saying. That's not an insult to them. It's not. Don't take it as an insult at all. Yeah. But yes, looking for this fight immensely. Um, with that, uh, I just want to quickly see what the uh, Tapology uh, faithful mm-hmm. say. And the Tapology faithful say that they pick Ishibatari over Ogikubo, 65%. Um, Listen, like I said, I think that Ishitari is a better fighter over, overall, so mm-hmm. no surprises that they go with that. Um, but with that said, Christian, shall we move on to the next fight? Yep. I guess we should. If Christian is there, if he is not there, then I will move on for us. Yeah. Christian, did you leave us? I thought, Christian? I think I heard him. Yeah. Ah, good. No, we we just want to know if you're. Yeah, we're, are you yeah. ready to go on to the next fight? Um, I'm sorry. I was I kind of dozed off for a second. No, my professional. <laughs> no, that's fine. No we weren't talking about we weren't talking about Ishi though. So, sorry. How dare you? When we're talking about Ishi, you you can then doze off. You're not allowed to doze <laughs> off on any other fight. Did you doze off again? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, you want to move? No, I don't have any comments on this better fight. I do think that when it comes to this next fight mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about, it's going to have a lot of high implications, especially in the light heavyweight division. So let's talk about it, shall we? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Okay. <laughs> All aboard to the rise and Submitted, I mean, with his 
dimension opportunity being a recent EFC Africa light heavyweight championship victory over Quentin Russo. He's going to have a tough time trying to outdoor the dancing Russian bear, Vitaly Shimatov. Six feet one, 199 pounds, 186 centimeters, around 92 kilos. Age 34, born July 5th, 1989. He represents the Shembros Academy with his brother Sergey, fighting out of Omsk, Russia. He holds a, his opponent, obviously, Young, holds the record of 6-1 and one, and is seen by me as the next John Jones. Meanwhile, Shilatov holds a record of 23-10 and 10 overall with one no contest. Currently winless inside the Rising Ring by virtue of that cut he suffered at Rising 17 to Jake Hume that led to a loss. So, do y'all think that Shimatar will get his groove back, or will the heart of the lion be too much for Shimatar? Before uh, anybody answers this, once again, I'm going to read some comments uh, that uh, that these fires are uh, both. Uh, Produced. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna yeah. read what Simon Beyond said because he says something there that very that that angers me very very much. And Christian, when you probably hear it, it'll probably anger you. This is what Simon uh-huh. Beyond said. I am honored to be fighting for Ryzen in one of the biggest events of this year. Ryzen is the future of MMA in Asia. I'm happy to compete in Ryzen as the level is of the highest quality, and I'll be able to confront myself with top athletes to keep growing as an individual. Fighting in this organization is, for me, is a dream come true. There are not many fighters in Europe who have the luck to exhibit their skills on this platform. The Ryzen Ring I'll be fighting in has hosted the great names of Fedor Melianko and Floyd Mayweather. Being able to be a part of the same show they were part of is an immense honor. So Why did he have to bring Mayweather's name up? I love how he says that, that, that Ryzen has hosted the great names of Fedor Melianenko and Floyd Mayweather. Why would you do that, Simon Beyond? Oh, God. Putting Fedor's name and Mayweather's name in the same sentence. Good grief. And before, so, Simon Beyond is the heel, as far as I'm concerned in this match. First, daring <laughs> to do that. But I'm going to read what Vitaly Shemitov said because this is the actual statement that he that he provided Ryzen when his when 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 this uh, fight was announced in the official Ryzen press release. And Vitaly, the the dancing Russian Shemitov says, "I was so happy to get the news that my elder brother Sergei Shemitov will participate in Ryzen Bellator on the 29th. I thought that it is a real New Year present for Ryzen for Red." Shemitov brothers from Siberia, but afterwards Ryzen gave me next present. I am also involved in Ryzen 20 all in caps exclamation points. I go Gambate Kudasai Dete Koya Ryzen is like a Santa Claus. It makes New Year presents presents for warriors and for the audience or maybe Red Brothers from Siberia will be Ryzen Red Santa Clauses. Anyway, traditionally, we'll, be, we'll bring gifts from snowy Siberia. We want to bring some real snow and ice from Siberia, but there is a problem. It will melt an airplane. It is not good to see, sit in an airplane with wet pockets. So maybe we need to buy some small fridge and put ice and snow there. Hmm, but how do you explain it to customs? 
Anyway, snow from Homeland will bring us power. Ryzen, Japan, you make me believe in miracles, but there is one more miracle that I still believe. I believe that one day Akiko, for those that don't know Akiko, that is a girl that Vitaly Shemitov fell in love with years ago when he fought in Japan and lost yeah. contact with. Uh, I believe that one day Akiko will come suddenly come to arena. She will see my warrior's wounds. She will realize that I was fighting for her love. All my warrior way in Japan was dedicated to her. Dear all, struggle and fight for your love. Whatever obstacles you face on your way. That is the statement he provided Ryzen. And I had to read through when I read this press release that they provided us. Anyway, with that said, Johan, who do you pick? Just for the record, I honestly I honestly feel that Vitaly Shematov is like one of the most wholesome human beings on the planet. And because of that, I mean, I know that Simon Biong, Simon Biong is a really good fighter as well, but I can't help but cheer for Vitaly Shematov. I can't help but root for this guy. I mean, think about think about his story this year. He was like campaigning for all of us to support him in signing with Ryzen. Yes. And I was like, that's got to be one of the craziest things to do. I don't know if it's even possible, but I'm just going to root for this guy too. Get a petition signed by so many people. I don't know if everyone even knew who he is, but they're like, okay, you know what? Let's just sign a petition for this guy. Brings it over to Ryzen and then gets signed by them. Via a petition, via fan support. So, it's really, I mean, yeah, he lost to Jake Hyun. It was a really tough fight for him. But considering everything that he's gone through, considering how he got to rise in, the road that he gets to rise in, and how excited he is, how pumped up he is every single time he gets booked for a rising event, it's so difficult not to root against him. And because of that, I'm gonna go with Shematov winning. Chris, I can't root it against him. I just can't. Christian, what do you think? Who do you got in this in this uh, in this incredible matchup? Christian, did we lose you? Oh no! Oh no! Well, I'm I'll give my pick. Now. I'll give my pick in the meantime, okay. while yeah. uh, while Christian uh, gets back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Here's the yeah that, that Jake that Jake Hune fight was a very tough fight. It really was. It was like it was a pretty. It was actually in the end it was a bad matchup for Vitaly, but but he didn't give up. Even though he got sliced open, brutally with that elbow, he got it was still uh, he still he still he still looked like a good fighter. And especially for somebody who hadn't fought in about I think it was two years. I think it was his last fight. He looked pretty good, but obviously Jake Hune just prepared better for that fight. Beyond, I know, is considered a future prospect. Um, he's the champion of, I think, the promotion is called EFC in uh, yeah, uh, Africa. Yeah, um, and uh, he is a tall guy. He's six foot six. He's a tall motherfucker, um, mm -hmm. and he's a good fighter. Only one, only one loss to his record. Nonetheless, though, I'm on. The, I've been on the Vitaly train ever since I interviewed him uh, about this whole crazy thing. And I absolutely love it that he that he got this. I don't know. It was. I don't think it's ever happened in MMA before where somebody got a some got a bunch of people to sign a position and say, "Hey, sign me for this promotion." That's never happened before. It would never happen in UFC. Wouldn't even happen in Bellator. Um, this is absolutely amazing. I hope he gets a win for 
because you know here's the like if he doesn't win this one like I don't know I feel like the I almost feel like this hype will kind of be like it'll be kind of like it'll be a horrible ending to like all this you know yeah I want Vitaly to win this I want Vitaly uh to to come back to to I want him to to be a dancing Russian with a win. I want the, I want him I you know I want actually put it this way I want after he wins this fight you know if he's all bloody and brutal you know I want them to interview him and then I want them to say you know oh Vitaly we have a guest for you and then they bring in Akiko and then they hug and then someone gives him flowers and then there's confetti that'd be the greatest way to end this whole the the end that that match. Yeah. I don't know if that'll happen, but I hope it does. I hope it does. Yeah, um, probably save the confetti for the main event, but yeah, I actually want to see that happen. <laughs> uh, Christian, did you join us again? Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Well, we'll get we'll get back his uh, thoughts when he returns. Just want to le- yeah. read the uh, the tapology faithful. The tapology faithful are a bunch of no fun fucks. They picked Young <laughs> to win at eighty four percent. Uh, over Shemitov, and I am... Oh, God. Then again, you guys want Ishii to win, so, you know, what do you guys know? Um... (laughs) But, you know, uh, are you, are you, are you gonna be watching the Bellator Japan show, uh, Johan? Um, probably not, because I'll be in Singapore as well, so I won't be able to watch the Bellator Japan show, but I'll be, I'll be sure to catch a replay of it somehow. Gotcha, gotcha. Because that is not a... That's an event I don't want to miss either. Gotcha. Uh, for just curious to know, for Bellator shows, can you watch them on television there, or do you have to, uh, do you have to, uh, shall we say, sail the high seas uh, to watch Bellator shows? We used, I don't know if we still have Bellator shows. We used to have them on like two different channels. One of them was on MTV, interestingly enough. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we still have uh, Bellator here. And even if we do, it's probably not live. It's probably going to be like tape delay or something like that. And uh, I think the only thing I don't like about the Bellator broadcast here is that they sort of like censor all the sponsors in the ring because for for broadcast reasons or something. So it looks very odd seeing like fighters competing in a in a cage with everything all blurred out in the in the cage itself. But other than that, uh, not sure if we're get, if we're still getting Bellator. I think I better double check again and see who we are. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so we're, I'm gonna move on to the next fight. We'll get Christian's comments when he returns. Uh, yeah. Uh, from his slumber or whatever it is. But the next fight will be the second to last match on the prelims. Uh, following up, what will be the uh will be the lightweight Grand Prix of finals. Uh, but this one is a championship match. And, uh, surprisingly, yes, a championship match will be on what you could consider the prelims, if you want to consider it that. And it is going to be a light heavyweight matchup, and the match will be between the champion, Jiri Denisa Prochaska, taking on challenger, C.B. Dalloway. Now, the particulars about this very odd matchup, at least in my opinion... Yeah. Jiri Prochaska has only one loss in Ryzen, and that was to King Mo during the open weight, sorry, the heavyweight Grand Prix way back when, but he got that win back 
uh, just this year at Rise of 15. And since then, he has been on a nine-fight win streak. Uh, an insane one where he has finished all but one opponent uh, with strikes. He has finished every opponent besides one with strikes. And he most recently fought Fabio Maldonado at Ryzen 19 and finished finish him off mercifully because that was the show which had an intermission of like three hours and thankfully he was kind to us East Coast viewers and was like, okay, I'm going to end this fight for you guys. And so I was able to go to sleep right after he, he uh, finished up uh, uh, Fabio. But uh, he is uh, from the Czech Republic and fights out of the Jetsam Gym uh, in uh, Born Borneo. Bruno, I don't know how to pronounce it because Czech is not one of my languages I know about. He's originally from uh, the city of Hosterdice, I guess is how it's pronounced, in Czech Republic. And uh, he is one of the top light heavyweights in the world uh, and is a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah, and his record as well. 25-3-1 draw, 27 years old, 6'4", uh, quite a big guy. And his opponent is C.B. Dalloway. And now you might recognize that name. He fought in UFC uh, and was just also failed a drug test after his last fight against Hector Lombard. Um, this was back in August. And I believe that he was released from UFC after this failed drug test. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no. It was against uh, Khalid. Murtaziev, um, the uh, one of the Russian guys at UFC Fight Night. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this is actually, excuse me, I said uh, this was last year. It was his last fight, and then um, yeah, I think I think the drug I think the drug failure happened this year, I believe, if I remember correct correctly. Um, but he is uh, currently twenty. Uh, what is it? Uh, do 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 seventeen and nine. Um, He's also, now here's the, th the thing as well, he he's originally from Ohio, Mount Gilead, Ohio, but now fights out of Tempe, Arizona at Power MMA. Now, Power MMA also has Ryan Bader, who's the current light heavyweight and heavyweight champion of Bellator. Um, so, here's the thing about this fight. So, apparently, there was big talk about Jerry Bean uh, fighting R Ryan Bader at this show. And Jerry really won this fight uh, against Bader. He said he wanted to fight the best light heavyweights in the world. And, you know, probably next to John Jones, which, will, you know, that fight won't happen under UFC rules or while he's under Uf in the UFC. Uh, looks like the fight to make would be Brian Bader versus Jerry Prochaska for Ryzen. Uh, probably for the Ryzen title. Um, that fight, for some reason, did not come, ha whatever reason, did not happen. So now they have Ryan Bader's training partner, C.B. Dalloway, in his place. I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, just to finish off the statistics, uh, Dalloway's 36, 6'2", uh, and also is a former middleweight, so he is going up in weight for this fight. Um, with that being said, uh, Johan, I want to pass it off to you. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about why do you think this fight? Why do you think this fight was made, and who do you think wins it? Or I should say, I should rephrase that. Why do you think that Jiri wins this fight? <laughs> of course, I'm gonna go with Prohaska winning the fight. <laughs> um, 
You know, the funny thing is, the first fight I watched, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed his first two match. I mean, I enjoyed his debut against Satoshi Ishii before. Mm. Oops. Christian got disconnected. I hope not. Okay. Um, He'll be back. But that guy's been on a roll. And like you mentioned before, he's, he's on a nine-fight win streak. Eight of those fights were all finishes, at least within the first or second rounds. Um, on a ro- on a roll, he is so good on his feet. Actually, he is brutal on his feet. Um, he is no slouch at all on the ground. And in my opinion, probably one of the, if not the most exciting light heavyweight fighter to watch today. I I have no idea why Ryan Bader is not taking this fight. Um, honestly. Another guy I would have considered booking against Prohaska would have been Gegard Musasi because I feel like the two of them are very similar in terms of how they were built up in G- in JMMA promotions. Like Musasi was built up as like this huge rising star when he competed in Dream and won the middleweight Grand Prix, and subsequently the light heavyweight Grand Prix as well. And I feel like. Their paths are very similar. His path is similar to what Prohaska is going through right now. Mm-hmm. So I felt that Musasi would have been a better opponent. But instead of Musasi or Ryan Bader, we're getting CB Dollarway, which I guess is fine, seeing that he's a former UFC fighter as well. But I don't think, you know, especially since he's moving up to light heavyweight, I don't think he'll be able to beat Iri uh, Prohaska. Prohaska is just too overwhelming for anyone at this point. So, two things about this fight. When I got the press release and I and I saw CB Dalloway, I was like... Well, first of all, I get these press releases like at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. And I usually get up around 7 or 8. And I'm like... First thing I always do, I always check my emails because I'm a, a weirdo like that. And when I saw this, I was like... I thought I was like still like half asleep because I just saw CB Dalloway's name. And I thought like this... This is not. This is not right. This is. This has got to be wrong or something. Um. And later in the day, you know, I, I just you know when just you know when I was writing up a, writing up you know oh the story about uh you know, the new fights and all that stuff that you can see on MMAsoccer.com, I realized oh wait I'm actually writing about CB Dalloway fighting for a championship in Ryzen. I couldn't. I like it. Like my brain couldn't comprehend it up until I actually had to write about the story that like this actually is happening. Um, CB Dalloway, the best way I can describe him is basically, yeah, he's a gatekeeper. That's what he was always was and he always will be. Yeah. Um, and, um, why he's getting a title shot immediately, I think it's, well, here's the thing as well. I'm, I'm going to read a comment. This is from a, a, a user from the r slash MMA forum for, uh, on, uh, his name is Ryzen Max. And I've talked to him before. He is... I think he believes from he's from Russia, and uh, but uh, he's but he said he talked to Jiri. This is what he told me when um when uh he uh he spoke to Jiri. Uh, he says he says it's not official, but I'm, I'm, by the way, this is he posted this on R slash MMA, so everybody can read it. He, okay. he wrote it's not official, but I'm sure Jiri is out of Ryzen. The reason is probably they didn't get the Bader fight. They also didn't add Jiri to the Ryzen 20 trailer and didn't include him in any advertising campaign. 
Jerry said to me in the end of October this year, if he gets a current champion or any other opponent with champion level on New Year's Eve, there is no reason to leave Ryzen. So, it's looking like he's saying that Jerry might leave Ryzen. So, the reason why this... I, I don't know if the reason why this fight... If Stevie Dalloway is getting a title fight is because if Jerry is leaving Ryzen, is this their way of trying to say, like, okay, you know what? If we put uh, him against an opponent who we think could defeat him, maybe he'll take the title off him, and then Jerry can go, you know, to wherever he wants to if he doesn't want to resign with us. Do you think that's... Do you think what, uh, that's at all po potential possibility, Johan? I know... I don't... It's speculation, uh, I know, but, like, I want to see yeah. your thoughts. And I hope it's I hope it remains being a speculation because I would not want to see Iri Prohaska leave Ryzen at all. I think he's one of those guys who I feel Ryzen would definitely be desperate enough to keep because of how good he is. And again, alluding to the example I made about Gegard Musasi being that guy that Dream was going to build up to be the next best thing. That's what Ryzen should do with Iri Prohaska as well. Build him up to be that guy that everyone is going to tune in to watch. And staying, you know, if he goes to, like, anywhere else, you know, Bellator or, you know, the UFC, if there's a chance of that, they can say, yeah, you know, this guy fought for us. He was our champion. He was our top guy as well. But... At the same time, they need to treat him like a top guy too, like a top star. So putting him on billboards, putting him in promos and all that, that's what they need to do if they want to keep him and satisfy him as well. So I really hope for, for Prohaska's sake and for Rice's sake that he remains with them. But at this point... No idea what's going to happen next. Also, you know, Jerry is also, whenever they have the shows in Czech Republic, uh, I think Poland, whatever, like in Eastern Europe, he always does commentary for the Eastern European, um, uh, whatever, uh, commentating for the, for those shows. Yeah. Um, so he already has it in with, with UFC. So if he wants, I'm pretty sure that UFC must be, must be looking at him. Um, and then here's the thing yeah. as well. We can't even just say it's just UFC potentially. It could be just he, you know, maybe he just leaves to go to Bellator, um, uh -huh. potentially. Because that's what uh, Kichi Kunimulti though did. Because yeah. he, he said there was nobody in welterweight in Ryzen. I'm gonna go to where the welterweights are, and now he's getting his ass kicked by all the welterweights in uh, Bellator, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but here's the thing as well. So let's just say if this whole if if what Ryzen, I'm, uh, I talked. I don't think if Ryzen Max is lying or he's. I talked to him. He's a good guy. But let's just say if what? Uh, let's just say that you know he's not going to leave Ryzen. That he's he's going to stick with Ryzen. Um, I think this is a, this would make to be a dumb fight to make because you're basically giving a guy who's coming in for the first time a title shot, and now it's a risk. It's a risk reward thing. If Jerry beats him, listen, he beat he beat he beat Ryan Bader's training partner. If Dolly yeah. beats him, he get he wins a title for a major promotion. So it's kind of it's it's kind of like a, you know, yeah, like it, it's kind of like it's it, it, Jerry has nothing to win in this fight, nothing to keep in this fight other than his title, really. You know, it it adds nothing yeah. to his nine fight win streak other than he beat Ryan Bear's training partner, unfortunately. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a sad reality of looking at it. But for me, as long as Prohaska's fighting, I'm happy. I'm Doesn't happy matter too. who he's up against. I'm happy but, too. Yeah, but again, it's unfortunate that it's not Ryan Bader that he's fighting. But at least, we, at least he's on the New Year's Eve card. At least he's on the biggest card of the year. So that is that is something to sort of like make up for it in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we could just quickly read what the Tapology faithful have written for this uh, or have picked uh, in this fight. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know. So are they going to go with the name or are they going to go with the talent? Uh, yeah. In this case. And they pick... Oh, wow. They pick Jiri uh, Petrowska to win by 93%. Good on them. No, that's... I Thank. Yeah. Thank God. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Right and so after this will be the, obviously, the lightweight Grand Prix Finals. And then hopefully one intermission. Hopefully not 90 minutes. I'm hoping... Listen, I mean, so obviously for you... Uh, Johan, when it comes to intermissions, it's probably a lot easier for you to stomach them because at least Ryzen is not at a time when that's that's what time if when Ryzen's on live, what time is it on? It's on at uh probably the same time it is on Japan, right? Uh, at least an hour. I think Japan is an hour behind, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, what do you yeah, do during even intermissions? Then, even then, the intermissions can be really really taxing. Like, um. I would watch Ryzen with a friend of mine, and I think um, I think it was Dream. Sorry, not Dream. Uh, Ryzen fourteen, the one with Mayweather and Tension. Yes. That the intermission for that was was insane, and, and the worst part for me, at least, was that I had just got off a flight from Singapore back to Malaysia as well, so I was still pretty tired. And watching that fight and watching going through the intermission, I was like, when is this when is the fight gonna start? You know, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. And of course later on we found out uh it's not started because Mayweather hasn't arrived at the arena yet. So <laughs> I mean and, and here's the crazy thing. Um Dynamite two thousand nine, there were no intermissions at all. And even if there was an intermission, it was a very, very brief one um, after the Aoki-Hirota fight going into the Masato Sour fight. And even then, it was just very brief. It wasn't draggy. It wasn't long. Like what we all had to go through last year, that was a bit too much for us to stomach. And I hope to God that this doesn't... this. I mean, okay, there's going to be intermission. I just hope it won't drag out so much this time around. Well, I thought the Ryzen 19 one, where it was uh, it was calculated there was 45 minutes of total in-ring time, and then the night the intermissions totaled at about, I think it was 90 minutes, someone calculated. And I just thought, like, wow, that, that is absolutely insane. That is, I, I am hoping that this is a one intermission for this show. And because here's the thing as well, yeah, you actually brought up an interesting point as well. So obviously, here, here's the thing, I'm not having my friends over at 2 a.m. to watch a Ryzen show because it's just yeah. not feasible. Okay, but for someone like you who is who is, is at a time where like, oh, you can invite friends over to watch the show and all that stuff, you know, I'm sure like 
imagine if like you invite your friends over and you and suddenly you know I don't know like it's like six seven p.m. or whatever and you're like oh one you hear Frank Trigg say oh we're gonna have a one hour intermission you what do you what do you do like what the like I I don't understand like what, yeah that sounds like insane like how do you explain to your friends oh wait yeah we gotta just chill for one hour here what do we do and the thing is. Because of how things are structured, sometimes you can't tell. I mean, yeah, Frank Trick may say, oh, we're going to be on intermission for one hour. What if it actually starts like half an hour before or if it sort yeah. of like drags up to another 15 minutes over? Yeah. Like you would never know when they will actually go on. And like in the case with Mayweather, you know, like how long did it, how long would it take for him to get to the arena? How yeah. long would it take for him to get ready? And how long would it take for him to say, okay, you know what, you guys can start um, running the show as well. It's, it's very unpredictable. We can't tell exactly when the show will come back on after intermission. So we're just sitting there watching like repeated clips and highlights of fights that took place either before the intermission or highlights of fights that took place um, previously in other previous Ryzen events. Like, I remember watching Ryzen 15 and when they had an intermission, God, I can only stomach watching Mayweather knocking out Tenshin yes. too many times already. Yes, exactly. No, and that's that's the thing is that I just wish, you know, even if you got to do the long answer intermissions, just like, I don't know, show fights from like, I don't know, earlier in the night or something, or just, you know, well, I don't know, like, I don't know, go to... Go to the war room with Frank Trigg and Joe Ferraro just talking about, you know, the fights coming up or something. I'm it, Yeah. Just something. It's 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 incomprehensible why just a loop of the Ryzen theme and Mayweather knocking out tension is, yeah. is, is it seems applicable to the and, and here's the thing, I uh I, I it's it's not this is not Fuji T V who's telling him to do to do these intermissions. This is Ryzen. Ryzen his job is to only sync up the show so that it that it goes up on Fuji TV Live, and then exactly. they they can do whatever they want. They can have a clown do handstands in the in the ring for ninety minutes. Or they can the mission. cup noodle guy inside the ring. Exactly, well. yeah. Where's Cup Noodle Man, by the way? Where, we have not seen him in a long time. I want to see him back. Yeah, same but, here. <laughs> but hopefully, I'm just gonna say, hopefully these intermissions do not tax us and do not kill us. Yeah, and I agree with you that you know. Joe Ferrero and Frank Trick could do a war room kind of thing, or you know, intermission, right? They could actually like maybe invite any of the fighters that compete previously during the fight during the evening, and then bring them over, get their thoughts in or something. Yeah. Especially since by then they would have been done with their post-fight interviews backstage and such. I mean, that would have been a good thing to do at least. Or rise, so time. rising confessions yeah. videos as well, or you know, if you want to really. Yeah. Really stretch it out. Bring back Peter Ahertz, and he'll just yeah. he'll just be all drunk and all that stuff, and just be wacky. I mean, I mean, going back to Peter Ahertz as well. I wish they could have brought him in to do a war room special with him as well for that, because we ended up not getting to see the VTR of Tenshin Nasukawa's fight with Shoji Horiguchi. Yeah, I would have loved to see how that was produced as well, considering how well built up that fight was rather than to have Peter Ernst come in and ramble about I don't even know I don't even remember why I don't even what he rambled about, about as well. um but yeah uh, yeah just rise and please 
I know you got, I know, listen, I know you all, all of you listen to, to this show. I know that for a fact because I've met some of the people who run the, who run the promotion. Please just try do something with the intermissions that won't kill us. Please, that won't, yeah. that won't test our, that won't test our patience and mentality. Because I've actually, also, I've talked to uh, two fans on Twitter who say they can't watch the shows anymore because the intermissions basically kill the, kill the mood. And here's the thing, with sports shows, you want to watch them live. You want to be part of, part of the live experience of watching a sports show live. You don't want to watch it, you know, the next day if you have, or the, or a week after because it, it loses value as a, uh, as for its importance. So, Verizon, I agree. please. Please, for God's sakes, ha- have mercy on us, please. With that, with that being said, we will go live on Fuji TV after the finals of the White Lake Grand Prix with this yeah. first fight. And it's going to be a ca- women's catchweight bout of 112 pounds, I believe it is. Let me double check on the weight because uh, I see kilograms here. Uh, and yeah. I'm bad at, at, uh, yes, 51 kilograms, 112 pounds. It'll be a rematch from earlier this re- year at at Bellator, um, but the uh, the show, but it was at the Bellator uh, MSG show, which yeah. had the uh, finals of the welterweight Grand Prix between uh, Roy McDonald and um, no, it wasn't the finals. It was the uh, sem- it was the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, uh, oh yeah, McDonald versus um, Gracie, um, yeah. and also had uh, the second match between Kyoji Horiguchi and Darian Caldwell. Or uh, Kyoji Horiguchi won the Bellator Bantamweight Championship. Yeah. Now, uh, the two fighters who are fighting this match will be the damsel, Lindsey Van Sant, taking on everybody's favorite shootboxing fighter, Reina Kubota. Now, particulars, Lindsey Van Sant, 7-2, originally from Wappinger Falls, New York, also fights out of there, out of the Precision MMA camp. And she is five foot two, sixty-four inch reach advantage. Uh, normally fights at super atom weight at one hundred and five, but for, like we said before, this is gonna be a catch weight. She's only twenty-six years old, currently currently riding a one-fight win streak, where she brutally destroyed the le- the leg of uh, uh, her opponent Shino Van Hoos at Invicta FC thirty-seven. I think she broke uh, her opponent's leg with a leg kick, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, but before that, um, she beat her opponent, uh, Reina, at Bellator. Uh, oh, have the show Bellator 222 via rear naked choke in the first round. Now let's talk about Reina Kubota, everybody's favorite shootboxing fighter, who is originally from Osaka, Japan. Fights out of uh, Osaka, still out of, out of Cesar Gym. She is a Ryzen veteran, where she made the Ryzen Super Adam Weight Finals. Uh, unfortunately, losing to Kana Azakura, um, and also losing to Kana Azakura again when they rematched at Ryzen 11. Uh, she most recently had a fight at Ryzen 19, where she fought Alexandra Al- Alvare, who was 3-0, and 0-3, excuse me, not 3-0, and 0-3 at the time, um, and then went on to become 0-4 and, and is now 0-5, so that should just tell you the caliber of the opponent she fought. At Ryzen 19, where who she finished uh, uh, Alexandra in the first round by punches, um, and uh, she had defeated opponents such as Irene Cabello, Andy Nguyen, uh, Miyu Yamamoto. But she is a shoot boxing champion, has is uh, an absolute star in Japan. That's why her fights on television here. 
uh, is opening the television uh, portion and is very much, you know, she's she is a star. That's the best way I could put it. And this is the second match. This time, it will be in a ring with Ryzen rules. It will not be in a cage with unified rules like they first had earlier this year. Uh, with that being said, uh, Johan, who do you think wins this? And, uh, yeah, well, give us your thoughts on this fight. Ah, uh, man, this is a bit tough. Um, I didn't watch the Lindsay Vensa fight with Rena, and I think the biggest thing that Rena has got going against her is uh, submission defense, especially when the fight goes to the ground. If the fight is standing up, and even if there is submissions standing up, Rena might be able to counter that because of a shoot boxing experience. But when it goes to the ground, that's where she still struggles. Um, she struggled. She still struggled uh, when she picked up that win over Samantha John Francois back in Ryzen 15 as well. Yeah. When that when the fight went to the ground, um, even though she did pick up the win by decision. And when she go, when she went up against Kana Asakura, you know, the first fight she lost by rear naked choke in the first round. And she struggled as well in the rematch that they had, which was a great match, by the way. And then going to the Lindsay Van Sun match, it was I think it was also because of the change of environment. She's never fought in America before, let alone a cage. So that worked against her. But now she's back in Japan, fighting in a ring, fighting in a an environment that she is very, very used to, she might be able to pick up the win, especially after the last fight that she had. Yeah. The only thing that I hope Rena can do is really work on her submission defense and her takedown defense as well, because that's where she is still, um, that's where she is still struggling with. That being said, um, if Rena can carry on the momentum that she had at the last rising event in Osaka. I think she could win this fight, but she needs to be able to do this early on, at least in the first round, by knockout. Otherwise, it's gonna. Otherwise, Van Sant is probably gonna put her to sleep again. Uh yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. She her submission events, if you uh in the rematch against Kana was much more better. Obviously, she didn't get tapped out by Kana in mm -hmm. the uh, second match. But uh, funny how her only two two losses in MMA have been uh well her two well finishes. Have been a rear naked choke. Yeah. Um, I think you know it's interesting that you that you talk about the new environment, and uh, I you know I don't know if that will actually have any difference. I don't, I don't think that'll have any difference. I think that Lindsay Van Sant is one of the top uh, atom weights in the world. I think that she's gonna uh, you know I know that there's not a lot of promotions that do have atom weights, but you know Ryzen being one of the few that does, I think that Lindsay. If she, if this is not her first fight, last fight in Ryzen, she could definitely be uh, a great. She could be a, a, a part of, of a great promotion, great division. Um, Reina said in, in her uh, in her match pre-fight match comments that she's gonna make Lindsay feel like that this is a, a fight that is a totally that she's fighting a di totally different fighter. I don't know. I'll be honest. Uh, so the uh, Samantha Jam John Francois fight. That was not an impressive uh, win, in my opinion, mm -hmm. by Reyna. Reyna looked way below what Reyna should be fighting as. Um, mm -hmm. With the uh, Alexandra Alvari fight, she fought somebody who was way below... Oh! Christian's coming in! 
We got Christian back on Skype now. Christian, are you there? Yeah. Christian? Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry about that. What happened to you? Fuck, man. I got knocked the fuck out. That's what happened. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you want to join us back on the, uh, you can join us back on uh, Jitsi. You have the link? I was, trying, I was trying to join back on Jitsi, but what happened? Did they fucking hang up the call? No, we're still on Jitsi. Damn. So, what happened? Did you call in the rest of the damn car? Not all of it. No, we're up to Lindsey Van Sant, Reyna. Oh, okay. <laughs> go, just go back on Jitsi, because it'll be a lot easier to talk on there. Okay. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Alright. Um, yeah, so, you know, I know it's going to be a totally different environment. Um, that whole thing. I don't know. I don't think that's going to matter in the end. I think that, I think that Lindsey Vance is just a better fighter overall. I won't be surprised if it ends the same way in, this, in the first round. Um, and yeah. I think that's what, I think that's honestly what's going to happen is that Lindsey Vance is going to take this. Um, he's going to take this fight. Uh, <laughs> I think pretty easily. Um, you, you said you picked uh, you picked Van Sand, right? Uh, uh, I picked Reyna. Oh, Reyna, I'm sorry. Why, what, yeah. I, wrote you down, I wrote you down for a reason. It's a bit of a wild pick, but um, I mean, considering how fast she was able to knock out her opponent last last time around, I think that's weighing in a hit. Like, yeah. okay, if I can do this in my last fight, maybe I can do it in the next fight as well. But like I said, she... I, I just hope she can work more on her submission defense and her takedown defense as well. Yeah. Those don't, don't, don't forget, though, that opponent was like 0-3. When, yeah. <laughs> and is now, I just saw her tapology. She is 0-5 now. Oh, craps. She fought a really terrible opponent. A really, really terrible yeah. opponent. Uh, but and, and let's not forget that um, Alexandra wasn't even her original opponent as yes. well. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, Shauna Ram was supposed to be your opponent. Shauna Ram was supposed to be the original opponent. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think she came in, like, at a very, like, what, one week's notice or something like that? Yeah, it was one week's notice. Yeah. Um, and she fought, yeah, she definitely fought like she was on one week's notice for her opponent. Um, mm. regarding... I think it's more, of the, it's more of the confidence and mental boost for Arena that she needs. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, the Tapology Faithful pick Lindsey Van Sant to win this uh, overwhelmingly, 66% over Reyna, which I'm actually surprised about, but no doubt probably because the first fight went to uh, Lindsey's favor. That's why they're picking her. Um, yeah. I uh, guess, you know, it's, it's um, I mean, you know, it would be great if it's a, if it was a nice competitive fight because then they could do a... Uh, because then they could do a third match, you know, maybe. As yeah. a de facto number one contenders match for the uh, Adam Way title, uh, which we will but, be... But let's say if Reyna loses, yeah. what I would love Ryzen to do is to... You know, because they already have a kickbox division, division with the guys, they should start one for the girls as well, because that's where Reyna thrives best. That's where, she's, that's where she is in her environment. I mean, she can fight MMA, but... Kickboxing, shootboxing, that's what she does best. So I really hope that Rising could also start a division, a kickbox division for women as well. And that's how they can continue building Rena further as well. I mean, 
in some ways, it worked for Tenshin Nasukawa, so but here's I think the, it worked for Reda too. The one thing that maybe for kick for women's atom weight kickboxing, I fear the only thing that might be bad is that I don't even know if there's a lot of oppo- various opponents other than maybe in Japan that uh mm-hmm. that fight at that weight. At all, yeah. that's the one thing. There won't be a lot of, you know, because Ryzen likes loves to make their their shit international. They love the you know, old bringing fighters from America, Europe, Angola, China. Yeah. They love to bring them everywhere. And if there's not enough, yeah. if there's not enough for that, it's like you know the reason why there's no strawweight division in you in, in 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 any promotion in the U.S. because there's just no men that can go, that can go to that weight class or want to fight that weight class. Yeah. Or, or even an audience that wants to watch it. So that's the thing is that like I would be like, would, it be, would we just see rehash recycles of opponents from um, from uh, shoot boxing, from uh, like rise or, or something? I don't know. Like yeah. the only opponent I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think. Does Tension Nasakawa's sister even fight at 105? I think she. I don't know. I feel like she probably. I think she fights at a slightly lighter weight class. Yeah, that's the thing. I I just I don't think there's enough. I'd be worried that there's that there's like there's not a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of women to fight in that division. Uh, Christian, yeah. we got you back. Uh, Want to get your thoughts, uh, picks, and thoughts on uh, two fights: Jiri versus CB Dalway and Lindsey Van Sant versus Reyna. You want to give us your thoughts on both those fights before we move on to the next fight? Well, first of all, I would like to apologize to Federation. 
even though, be quite honest, I just hope to see Raina make, I just hope to see Lindsay make Raina suffer again, and I just hope to see, I mean, I'm hoping to see Lindsay win via submission. Yeah, no. Uh, again. <laughs> again. Okay. Uh, with that, uh, uh, Christian, would you like me to, to take a... also, oh. you know what? Also, I also want to add, Ryzen yeah. Intermission sucks. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. Ten fights. If the fights were to go the distance, you know, it would be a 40-minute intermission, but if it's not... so funny i thought you know when i heard that it was gonna be a, they were gonna do the full six hours i was like oh my god i'm so excited to hear that and then when it got announced oh they're gonna just show the fight just show these five fights i was just like oh fuck this is not gonna be good <laughs> yeah um with that uh being said though uh christian do you want to go on to the next fight uh the 12th fight or do you want to uh you want me to take over what would you like to do Yes. I mean, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's go ahead and jump into twelfth contest of the evening, and that is a featherweight contest between one half of the fastest rising team, fastest rising duo in rising history, so to speak, versus one of the former UFC castaways, current Bellator superstar, Miku Rafakula versus. First of all, for Akira, he is 5 feet 10 inches tall, 
He holds a professional MMA record of 23, 4, and 2. Fights out of the famed and legendary Nova Umyao camp in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And he currently holds a Bellator MMA record consistent of six wins and three losses. Add to the fact that he had a one-and-done campaign inside the UFC Octagon, and this former shooter star is looking to crash Mikaru's party. But I just have to ask, who do y'all think is going to win this fight? And before I even get to y'all, Tapology Faithful, which I know y'all have plenty of time bashing in the two fights I missed talking about in full, but the Tapology Faithful are saying that Mikuru Asakura is going to win this fight 79% as the overwhelming favorite. But who do y'all got this fight? After you, Johan. <sighs> I'm backing the the topology guys. I think it's gonna be Mikuru Asakura winning. Mm-hmm. No idea how though. Probably knockout. Probably. Same here. Knockout by uh, Mikuru. Guys, listen. You know, this would be just also to say this would be the last in a Bellator versus Ryzen matchup, and I think that you know this is this is the matchup I think that probably has the greatest. Difference of skill level. I think that Mikuru is way above uh, the, of Makapa. Um, here's the thing. It's, Makapa's whole thing is that he beats guys that are not top level. Mikuru is top level. Maka the, the only way I could see Makapa winning this, maybe, is if he somehow gets down to the ground. Even if it gets down to the ground, I still think that Mikuru will pro still has the advantage. But... I don't see what what Makapa has that he can that he that in, in his arsenal that he can defeat uh, Mikuru. Mikuru is one of Ryzen's top guys, one of the top uh, featherweights in the world right now. In my personal and he's, like, he's he's barely fought a, a, a featherweight in Ryzen. He's defeated guys who were bigger than him, uh, like uh, Yachi and um, I don't know, he and Gustavo are the same weight class. But yeah, he beat Yachi as. So, yeah, Mikuru, easily. What about you, Christian? I think when it comes down to this particular fight, Mikuru probably... No, Mikuru is going to win because when it comes to this particular fight, he's got a winning streak to uphold. He's got... No, wait, actually, not only does he have a big winning streak to uphold, but he's not going to come into this fight thinking, oh, I got to face off against some one-time UFC veteran and Bellator superstar who's now, I mean, who had a pretty successful career. He's probably thinking, I'm going to come in, raise hell, kick this man's ass, and then leave. <laughs> and I think that's what the Octura brothers are pretty much known for. They arrive at the old Stone Cold Here's the thing as well. I'm gonna also bring this up as well. So Mikuru has also said this: that starting next year, he's gonna be fighting only two times a year because he wants to focus on his YouTube career. Is do you think 
that at all? Do you think he's, I don't know, do you think that he's maybe trained less for this fight? Or do you think he's, with that announcement being said, do you think that's going to be at all a factor in this fight? Or absolutely not? Uh, Johan? It's just um, So I'm on uh, Mikuru's YouTube page. He currently has 574,000 subscribers. And his, let's see, he put a video 22 hours ago, which has gotten 446,000 views. And he most recently hit a million views of a video he put out a week ago. And three weeks ago, he managed to get a video that was that got over six, close to six and a half million views. It looks like that maybe. Uh, looks like that maybe that wrestling match that you were talking about, Christian. Maybe. Um, no wait, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's not. So this is. Um, I think he did something where he ch where like he just challenged some like regular people to like a boxing match. Um, and I think this is this is one of those fights. I believe. Um. So, so wait, uh, Johan, did you say that Kai yeah. is the one who got the viral video? Was a Mikru for? Uh... I think. Uh, wait, let me just double check again. I was pretty sure it was. I I think it was Kai. Yeah, it was Kai because he was wearing the he was wearing the red bandana and the flannel shirt and all, going around and like, um, trying to break things up. Yeah, it was Kai. Well, first of all, I just want to say weebs should be made fun of because they are they are awful people. No, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. No. <laughs> Some weebs are. Well, just be careful that just be careful not to say that in front of Kai, though. <laughs> oh yes, no, no, no. Uh, some weebs are okay. Some. Yeah, some, some of them are okay. Um, but no, this will be easy win for Mikuru. Whether he, you know, maybe if there's a Horizon featherweight tournament next year, maybe he'll be like, ah, maybe I'll stick around for this, but. If he wants to become YouTube celebrity, listen. Sounds like he could become it. You know, I'm sure he rather. I'm sure in the end, you rather make money making videos <laughs> than getting punched in the face. That's at least what I presume. Um, 
So, yeah, if he, that's the route he wants to go, yeah, sure, you know. If if he loses this fight, then, yeah, maybe maybe that will all be proof that, like, oh, he's just been paying attention to his YouTube videos or something. But I don't think I don't think that will happen during this fight at all. On, on that note, that video of Kaya Sakura, um, it's up to 6.5 million views. Jesus Christ, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's how viral it is. <laughs> wow, okay. Um... With that, Christian, uh, do you want to go on to the next match, the second title match in this uh, card? Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. Uh, I think this probably might steal the show for best fight of the night. And crazily enough, there's a trilogy bout between these two ladies as Honda and Silva. DLC Hob takes on Ayaka Hamasaki for the Ryzen Women Super Animate World Championship. First of all, the challenger who is searching for her first win against Ayaka Hamasaki. Ombele Suba DLC Hob. Age 32, born March 8, 1987, in Gangwon Province, South Korea, representing Busan Team Mad, Busan, South Korea. She is 5 feet 2 inches tall, 157 centimeters. She weighs in at 108 pounds, 49 kilograms. She holds a professional MMA record of 21 wins. Eight losses, 15 of those wins by way of decision, meaning that she is a point finder at best. But she's won four, no, she's won all of her last five fights since losing out in the UFC, going one and three. She has won each of her last five fights and has gone, basically has finished almost everybody but Jung Hyun Park at Road FC 51, but she's knocked out Mina Kurobe, who was the Deep Jewels champion at the time. She's knocked out Jin Yufei, who's the current Invicta Anime champion, and more recently in the Rising Ring, she knocked out Tomo Maisawa, another Deep Jewels champion, and she knocked out Miyu Yamamoto, Back more recently on October the 12th, but her biggest mishap is the fact that she cannot get a win over this woman, of which this will be the first time these two women will face off against each other since 2011, as they've had two bouts against each other between 2010 and 2011. Ayata Hamasaki. The princess of Yokohama represented on a combat club under Mitsubishi, the greatest living women's mixed martial artist of all time. Sorry, Rousey Maniacs, I know that thing for you a bit. Hamasaki, age 37, born March 31st, 1982 in the Yamaguchi Prefecture. She's 5 feet 2 inches tall, weighs in at 108 pounds. 157 centimeters, 49 kilos. She is a respected striker. I mean, she is a respected judo practitioner and grappler. She is a second-degree judo black belt under Mugumi Fuji. And she currently has a 19-2-2. I mean, she currently has a 19-2 professional MMA record, of which this former Invicta Animal champion 
is currently riding a similar fight, fight ministry of her own. But since joining the Rising Fighting Federation on May 6, 2018, in a victory over Alyssa Tiny Tim Garcia, she has gained three submission victories in her last five fights. The win over the aforementioned Kurobe via submission due to a Kimura Rising 13. Submitting Kama Asakura in her Rising Women's Super Anime Championship opportunity on New Year's Eve last year, and more recently submitting Amsu Wanan Boomstorn, a.k.a. Amp the Pocket Rocket, back at Rising 18 on August the 18th. Gentlemen, who's going to win this fight? Yeah, huh? Do you think that okay. Yoki Ham will have a fighting chance? Oh my god. Um, you know, out of all the fights, this is one of those fights that I had a really, really tough time picking a winner because both, I mean, both um, Ham and Hamazaki are incredibly, incredibly strong fighters that picking a winner itself is so difficult um but i mean uh if i have to pick one winner it would probably probably be ayaka hamazaki by decision i don't think she'll be able to finish hum hum is definitely gonna lay a lot of pressure on her but i have a feeling hamazaki will be able to find some way to overcome the odds and I mean, she's very resourceful. She'll find some way out of whatever situations that are thrown at her. Uh, it's going to be a very good fight, a very tough fight for both women, in actual fact. But uh, I'm probably going to lean towards more to Hamazaki to win this fight. Understood, understood. And as far as me, I think that when it comes down to this fight, yeah, it's going to suck to be, it's going to suck to possibly see Yoki Han take another loss if she does manage to not pull this off. But I do think that Yoki Han has a fighting chance because the last thing she wants to do is go out in her career and say that she never be her greatest rival. And I think that when it comes to that, Yoki Han's finally going to get her come up and then I think that she's going to probably return the favor on Ayaka Hamasaki and submit her, in this case, probably in the third round. Well, you know, here's the simple thing. Uh, Ayaka Hamazaki is the best atom weight, uh, best atom weight fighter in the world. Uh, she's one of the best female fighters of all time. Definitely top five. Yeah, uh, you can make an argument for top three if you wanted to. You can even, if you want to say she's the best fight female fighter in the world as well. Hell, uh, that's an argument I'd be willing to hear. Not Mei Yamaguchi. Mei Yamaguchi is nowhere near that. So for any one fans out there, sorry, but Mei Yamaguchi is <laughs> nowhere near uh, Hamazaki's level. Yeah. The only time that Hamazaki's ever lost. She's only lost twice in weight classes that she uh, were higher weight classes to um, to uh, Souza and to uh, Claudia Gadella. So, but other than that, she already has beaten uh, Ham twice. I know that Ham is a different fighter now than she was back then, um, and I know that I think I won the fights was a finish. But listen, Hamazaki has gotten better. 
Tom has basically fought people that are, I don't think, are the highest level opponents. That's, I don't want to say that Hom. I mean, if you also, um, if you also look at when Hom went to UFC, when she started fighting some of those UFC level opponents, she was getting, she got destroyed by a bunch of them. Uh, Beck Rawl, I think she Beck Rollins she lost to. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I know she fought Calderwood uh, and T Taylor. She was, I think, I I think she maybe won one fight in UFC. Um, and then she came back, uh, to, uh, to obviously Korea, Asia, and fought opponents that were obviously much at a, at a much lower level than those UFC opponents, and so obviously, Siohi Ham is better than them, but I don't think that Siohi Ham is better than Ayaka Hamazaki. Hamazaki wins submission, I think, second round. Sorry, go ahead, Johan. Oh no, I was just thinking about the correlation between that fight and the Lindsay Van Sant and Rena fight. If Ayaka Hamazaki ends up winning, I actually want to see Lindsay Van Sant winning because I like to see how Van Sant would fare against Ayaka Hamazaki. Well, but yeah. if Sohi Ham wins, I actually want to see her fight Rena simply because the two of them actually fought under strip boxing rules at the 2012 Girls Else Cup semifinals, oh, which Rena won. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see the two of them fight under different rules this time around. Should Sohi Ham end up winning her fight and the title, and should Rena beat Vansan? Because one thing's for sure, um, Ayaka Hamazaki and Rena do train together. Yes. And from what I remember, from what I can recall, I don't think Rena would want to fight Ayaka Hamazaki yeah. because of that. No, actually, I want to just quickly answer that. Yes, they have both stated that they will not fight each other while the other is champion. Or they will never fight each other ever. So, yeah. So, yeah. And if, if Rena wins and then Ayaka wins, it's worst case scenario. Because now you got, you got a, a, a division that's stalled because number one contender is not going to want... Well, well, I guess who you consider number one contender uh, doesn't want to fight the champion. So then you gotta go to number two or number three, um, but actually, you know, you brought up a very good point. Lindsey Van Zandt wins, Ayaka wins. I think that's a very interesting matchup to make, as well as you know, if, excuse me, if Hob were to win and then Reyna wins, because yeah, like yeah. you said, they fall in shoot boxing. But hey, let's bring it on to MMA. Let's see how that fight goes. I think exactly. that's, a, that's a great. That's actually a, uh, that's actually be great. Um, even even Ham versus Vizant would be good too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, should be an exciting fight, though. Nonetheless, uh, with that said, Christian, shall we go on to the co-main event kickboxing match of the show? Yes, let's go ahead and talk about this co-main event because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have a peculiar interest in this fight. However, it's also going to be under some pretty special rules. Yeah. It's a 123-56-kilogram kickboxing bout between Rui Ibata, the superstar for knockout, and the superstar... Superstar for Rise, and obviously former Floyd Mayweather victim as of last year, Shindo Ninja Nakawa. 
First of all, the particulars for Roy Ibata. He is 28 years old, born January the 10th, 1991, in Tsuchiyuna, Ibaraki, Japan. He's 5 feet 5 inches tall, 165 centimeters. He weighs in at 121.3 pounds, 55 kilograms. He is a Muay Thai and Kyokushin Karate practitioner fighting out of Tokyo, and he holds a professional kickboxing record of 40 wins, two losses, three draws, and one no contest with 20 big wins by way of KO. And he is the current reigning knockout world super bantamweight champion. His opponent, of course, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Kendo! Tension Askawa. Born August 18, 1988. He's, no, born August 18, 1998. My apologies. <laughs> he's 21 years old, so he's old enough to get a beer. <laughs> he fights out of Matsudo. He's originally from Matsudo, Chiba, Japan, fighting out of... Tokyo and Team Teffin. He is 5 feet 5 inches tall, 165 centimeters. He weighs in at 127.9 pounds or 58 kilos. He is a black belt in Kyokushin Kai Karate. He has a black belt in Shin Karate. He holds his undefeated kickboxing record of 35 wins with 27 knockouts. And of course, if you keep the score at home, this is his first New Year's Eve since losing to, well, that guy that we just mentioned, the asshole supposedly the world's most richest fighter, Floyd Money Mayweather. But still, since the start of the year, he's made pretty well. He's had a pretty good name for him, though. He won the Rise World Series featherweight tournament at 58 kilos. He won the ISKA 57 kilograms unified rules world championship as well. But, Andrew, can you please explain the special rules for this bout and what might transpire that might make this shit a little too crazy? Oh, I, I, you know, it's so weird trying to explain these, these rules for like, especially kickboxing, especially when the Bellator Japan show has that weird ass, uh, fight, uh, uh, with Ren Hiramoto and it's going to be in a cage under rising oh, yeah. kickboxing rule. It's all, it's all confusing. Um, so my understanding, uh, first of all, this fight's at 123 pounds, uh, between these two, um, Apparently, also, I don't, uh, it's, uh, it's, there are no elbows allowed, if, if I'm, if I'm to understand correctly, um, that's the only, I think that's what I've been told, that there's no elbows al allowed, let me double check and just read through this, just in case, um, and if there's any knockdown rules as well, um, Tenshin Asukawa, do, 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 do. Uh, I believe, yeah, I believe that there, there is, uh, the rules are is that there will be no elbows allowed for this, for this fight. Because all, I believe that, uh, well, here's the thing, Rui Bata, um, is mostly, is he a Muay Thai guy, I believe, as well? Or is he, uh, is that what his original training was? 
I believe, Christian? Yes, he does Muay Thai as well. Okay. Now, and uh, another thing to point out is that in knockout, um, elbows are allowed. In a knockout promotion, even though they're fighting under kickboxing rules, but elbows are also allowed to be thrown in their fights. Yeah, okay, yeah, this is... This is this is this is this is melting my brain right now. Um, yeah. All these special rules, because you know, I know that, that I know that. Um, I think I I I see nothing about the rounds here. It looks like it's gonna be regular rounds, um, as well. Um, say other, I guess you know, kickboxing time limit. So other, than, I think I don't think they're allowing elbows in this fight. If I remember, if that's if those are the correct rules. I think the only other major change is that there will be an extra round should the fight to go to a draw. I think that's the only other men. Oh, they actually going to do that because I know that Ryzen yeah. never does that for their uh, yeah for their matches. Uh, that's part of the special rules, I think. Uh, so as well, you know, Ibata has gotten a lot of um, I guess talk as being as being Tension's most tough opponent uh, in Ryzen. Um, so, barring that, and also, here's the other thing as well, so, I never got a press release about this fight, which I found very surprising. They kind of just, kind of announced this fight very quietly. Now, also, I'm going to bring this up as well, because I'm curious to know if you think it will be affecting the fight as well. Tenshin Asukawa has apparently gotten into a little bit of a, a little bit of a, shall we say, a relationship trouble. Apparently, he was, uh... Photographed oh by a, oh, there were, or I should say, not photographed, but uh, a uh, a casual friend, female friend of his, gave photos, uh, shall we say, illicit photos of the two, while apparently Nasukawa and Kana Azakura uh, were in a uh, committed relationship, and she passed those off to Japanese National Enquirer type magazines or uh, rumor gossip things. Um, so, barring that, um, I'm going to ask you, Johan, a bunch of questions. One, do you, with the special rule, do you think special rules is going to have any effect on this match? You know, like I said, I, I'm not even so sure if they're allowing elbows, and I guess they're going to do this, the, the extra round necessary. Two, who's your pick, obviously. Three, does this whole scandal thing have any effect at, at all on this match at all? Because also, if you think about it, we haven't heard a lot about this match at all. Ryzen hasn't really talked about it. Tension is not doing a lot of media for it as well. Do you think, is this, is this I guess, kind of like a part B to that question? Do you think that this is Tension's way of maybe this is, is this potentially his last fight in Ryzen before he tries to do like a full, tries, tries to make it like, Goes and tries to go full boxing, tries to become like a, a lighter weight uh, in a way, or maybe he's going for the Olympics. Who knows? Give us all your thoughts on all that stuff. I know it's a lot. Okay. Um, to answer your first question, well, even if elbows are allowed, um, for one, yeah, it might play into Rui Ebata's favor because he is a Muay Thai fighter as well. But tension has fought Muay Thai bouts in Thailand when he was still when he was still very very young like when he was still starting out as a fighter as well so he knows what it's like to compete in environments where elbows are allowed and that of course extends to the run he had in knockout too um you know with all those crazy knockouts that he did on 
DK Wanchalong and and a few other guys, Amrat as well. So he knows what it's like to fight in this kind of environment. So I don't think the rules will will be to his disadvantage. Um, the second question as to who will win, this is going to be a bit, this is going to be tough because I think Rui Ebata is probably going to be Tenshin's toughest opponent yet. Um, I thought that Swakim would have been his toughest opponent, but he knocked him out um, when they fought in their rematch during the Rise World Series. And, and another thing to point out, I mean, he's had a really great year. He won the Rise World Series in the end, beating Shiro in the finals, but it came at a cost. He injured his hand. Yeah. So, I don't know how, how well recovered or how well rested tension is going to this fight against Rui Ebeta, but that could, have, that could be a factor as well. So, I, I mean, it's a bit hard to pick who will win in this fight between Tenshin and Ebata. It could be, I mean, I think Tenshin would win by knockout, probably in the third round, because Ebata's going to put a lot of pressure on him. But I could also potentially see Ebata handing Tenshin his first official kickboxing loss as well. So it's going to be a very interesting match to see, and it could go either way. Now, as far as the elephant in the room is concerned regarding tension scandal, uh, as far as my knowledge in Japan, um, scandals can be a really huge thing. It could make and it could break. Uh, it could break a celebrity's career as well, depending on the severity of it. I don't know how widely spread the scandal is over in Japan compared to like, say, other celebrities, if they get hit with a scandal, it's like almost full-blown everywhere. But it seems like as much of a scandal as it is, it's quite low-key. Like, no one has been spreading things around except for like maybe the JK community on Twitter. Um, but no one has really been spreading it around like wildfires. So... I'm pretty sure deep down it will affect tension and it might even affect Kana Asakura in her match at Bellator Japan two days before. But um, I'm, I'm, it's really hard to tell because, like you also mentioned, Tenshin hasn't been doing a lot of the media rounds for this fight. So I think he's trying to, he, he's aware of it, probably trying to stay as low key as possible to, you know have this whole scandal be overblown to big proportions and keeping away from the media as well. Um, if anything, I think Tenshin's dad is there to make sure his son is in check, that his son doesn't do anything ridiculous in the lead up to his fight, that he is as focused as ever. And if there are any scandals bothering him, try not to like uh, let it get to him and you know, focus on this match, and then maybe deal with the scandal later. Gotcha, gotcha. Christian? Oh, no. Did you die again, Christian? Wakey, wakey, Christian. Christian, wake <laughs> up! Oh, well. Okay, let me just uh, give my th give my thoughts on those things. Um, uh, rule sets, you know, rule sets be damned. While these kickboxers... Uh, fight in so many uh, in the same rules or you know different rules you know depending on what country you go to 
and all that stuff. You know, you got you go to Mai Tai, you can use elbows, you go to Ryzen. Normally, I guess in this fight, well, except the except, uh, you know, they don't allow elbows. Uh, then there's different knockdown rules and all that stuff. You know, somebody as varied as Tension and both Ibada, they fought under like ten different rules. I couldn't even say. I, I, I can't even call this point. So I don't think rules are going to matter at all in this in this thing. If they add an extra round. If, you know, that is the thing that surprises me the most, because then that tells me that they think that Tension might not have a chance, not sure they not have a chance, but could potentially lose this fight, uh, if that is one of the special rules. Um, Live streaming has stopped. Whoop. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, if that, uh, that winds up happening, yeah, then that'll be, um, then that's like the one thing I can say, is that like, oh, Ryzen's not having faith in Tension. Regarding what we'll pick, you know, Always go with, you know, it's a blue chip, it's a blue chip stock, as they, we say in America. It's a safe bet. Go with tension. Now, I've seen nothing that has made me want to not pick tension in a, uh, in a, uh, match that he's been in, other than an MMA match, which, uh, yeah. um, regard, but regarding the scandal, like I said, I never got a press release from the Ryzen about this fight. Every fight, every time they announce fights, they always send a press release. When, the, when Horiguchi got uh, pulled from the fight, uh, the main event fight, which we'll talk about next, we got I got a press release about that. I got no press release at all about Tension fighting Rui Bata. It was just kind of like announced on the internet. Like, very, very like, oh, yeah, this Tension's match. It was like, and that was like there, was, there was nothing behind it at all. At all. So... I'm surprised about that, especially also them announcing a fight this late as well for tension is that's also like, and he's been at another press conferences as well for this, for the show as well. Um, even before the whole scandal thing. So I'm thinking that I don't think he's, I don't think he's in the long, long for long run for rising or even rise. I think he's going to try to, I think, I think 2020 he's going to try to, I don't know. He may try for the Olympics, for all I know, or he may even try to to try to make it in America as a hundred twenty five pound boxer. I think because listen, look look at Inouye. Inouye is probably the most dominant boxer of all time, or, or in his weight. I should say of all time, in his weight division right now, and is becoming uh, becoming a well known name in boxing outside Japan. Um, to, uh, uh, and so I think, you know, maybe he wants to become like an Inouye, like another Inouye, uh, uh, in his weight division. I think, I think, I, yeah, I mean, if, if there's, and also, you know, he, he just had, he just had a tournament this year where he defeated everybody, basically just like went through everybody. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's, what else is there for him to do? I don't know if that's, if he, if he's thinking this or, or you know, he has he has a huge head because oh he's fighting he's fought uh, Mayweather. What else you know Mayweather told him hey kid you know you 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 should do bigger things or something like that. I don't know, but I don't feel like he's I don't feel like twenty twenty we're gonna see rising well, tension in rising at all. And regarding scandal, um, I think that's the reason why he's not doing a lot of publicity for his match because you know it doesn't want to face the music. Whether he has if it. He, it affects his match. Well, you know, if he loses and we he uh and he and he says, you know, I'm going through a lot of personal stuff, and I think we know. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, it's it's you know, usually with a scandal like this, you know, I wonder if he if 
I, I don't know if it's going to... It probably won't happen, but I wonder if Ryzen would make him do an apology, like, in front of the crowd type thing. You know, kind of like a uh, saving face thing. I don't know. You know, I know he said it's not that big, except for, uh, but my understanding is that it's talked it's been talked about more in Japan than, like, I guess, I guess other than J-Kick. Yeah, probably. But as far as I've seen so far, that doesn't... I mean... Um, I don't see I don't see it being blown up to such a really huge proportion. But I guess, like you said, we'll probably find out on the day itself, depending on who ends up winning the match. Yeah. If um, okay, let's say that let's say that Rui Ibata beats Tension. Mm. If Tension starts crying, like you know he did after losing to Mayweather, yeah. then there's an indication something really really bad happened. Yeah. Regarding the scandal as yeah. well. If he takes it, if he takes the loss like, you know, like a normal man or something, I think, I think it would be, I, I think it would be probably an indication that, yeah, he did go through a scandal, but it wasn't as blown out as a lot of people or a lot of us may have seemed to think it might have. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see what the reaction will be like well, after the fight is over. I also want to know, is he going to do any pre-fight interviews like they always do for Ryzen? They always have the pre-fight and the post-fight interviews. Is he, if he doesn't do any pre-fight interviews, then I think that answers that question right there that, yeah, this is, you know, it's this whole entire thing that he's trying to avoid or he feels yeah. like he has to avoid. And Ryzen, and, and Ryzen confessions will be very interesting next time, time around as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, regarding Tension's future as well, I... Honestly, would love to see him boxing because I think he can thrive there as long as he has the proper guidance and training. But I'm pretty sure there's another shadow looming behind him and uh, in the form of, you know, much I don't want to bring his name up, Chatri Sitiotong as well, because there's a lot of people and there's a lot of rumors of tension possibly going to one as well because... You know, he's made appearances at one event, being in the crowd. He called, He was doing Japanese commentary for the last time, one championship were in Japan as well. And there's all these rumors going around saying that, oh, maybe one is going to sign tension. And then there are people out there saying that there's a lot more competition for tension internationally and globally. I remember getting, earlier this year, getting to a huge debate with this guy about, you know, where tension stands. Uh, as a fighter, he's like, Tension isn't doing much in Japan for Ryzen. He's only fighting like guys in Japan. At least if he's going in one, he's going to be fighting guys from all over the world and such. He's going to be traveling around the world. But the thing is, if Tension were fighting, chances are he's probably going to be fighting on the Japanese cards. He's probably going to be fighting on the Singapore cards or at most the Thailand or the Philippines card. I can't see him fighting on the Malaysian card which would suck because I would love to see him fight live. I can't see him fighting on the on the card in Myanmar or even in Vietnam for that matter or even in Korea or even in China. Maybe China's a possibility. But, you know, personally, I would prefer seeing him in Ryzen because J Japan, the Japanese combat sports will need guys like him to build the scene up. I don't think him going to one would do much favors maybe it will do him favors in terms of having more variety in opponents and being able to travel outside of japan and competing in other countries as well but 
I think at this point where Japan are trying to restructuring their combat sports scene, he is very, very much needed there. I totally forgot. Yeah, I forgot the whole thing he had with one where he was in the audience and he did commentary and his sister also fights for them as well, I think, right? Did his sister um, like do a, a... I think, I think probably... Oh, yeah, because uh, his sister was like... I think his sister was on that reality show that one were putting on. Which was also where Mio, who is Rena's best buddy, BFF from Shootboxing, also competed in there as well. Mm -hmm. So that could also be a factor too. So I could be entirely wrong. Maybe he won't, he's not going to box. Maybe this is entirely him just going to one uh, for all yeah. we know. About it, it, yeah, it's either boxing or one. It's... It's hard to tell at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, my big bull prediction is twenty twenty. I think that Ryzen, uh, that Ryzen and uh, pension are done unless I don't know something else happens. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they'll be like, maybe they want Ibada to win this. Maybe this is why they finally like m want matching him up with somebody who's at his skill level. Because maybe because they're like, oh, Takaru fight ain't gonna happen. Because also, you know, also yeah, Tension said that he has no interest in fighting Takaru. He said that in an Instagram uh, video that Which yeah. Is a shame. Yeah, you know, it's like that's that's the most disappointing thing out of this whole thing, um, is that that fight probably will never happen. And I'll be honest, yeah. if that fight were to happen, I would buy a ticket to Japan just to go there and see that. Likewise, likewise. And um, and I think that fight would have been best made next year. You know, somewhere, somewhere before or even after the Olympics, because I think everyone will still be riding a high. Yeah. And Japan is still like bringing in a lot of tourists and people who are probably still staying on a bit longer after the Olympics, then they'd be like, hey, we've got a big fight happening like at the Tokyo Dome or the new stadium that they just built for the Olympics. Why not go for that too? Oh, more, absolutely, yeah. You know, more tourists, um, more tourism added to Japan itself now that there's a huge fight added. But if Tenshin and Takeru are no longer interested in fighting each other, then... Yeah, that's well, a damn shame. My understanding is Takaru is Takaru is, but Tension has 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 said no. His is like no no longer interested. I think Takaru probably still is, uh, but as far as I know, Tension is not. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, things can change between now and then. Oh I yes. Guess. Oh yes. Things always change, and yeah. when it comes to changing, uh, the main event is gonna ha is going to have a change of a bantamweight championship because. The title is vacant. Yeah. Because Kyoji Horiguchi is no longer in the main event. In the next match, take Young rematching Kai Zakura because he tore his ACL and ACL injuries are terrible, so he'll be out for about six months at most, a minimum. So instead, we have the fourth match, the fourth rematch, and the last match in this Ryzen 20 card, and that is Kai Zakura taking on Manel Cape for the vacant. Ryzen Bantamweight Championship, and now here are the particulars. Kai Zakura, 14-1, going on a 1-2-3-4-5, sorry, 6-fight win streak in uh, since losing uh, back in Road FC back in 2017. So he has not lost one fight in 2017, is undefeated in Ryzen. Uh, he, has, he has fights out of the Triforce Jiu-Jitsu Academy. From to he's born in Tohashi, Aichi, Japan, five foot eight, twenty six years old, and one of the best band weights in the world, and is also a YouTube celebrity as well as we discussed earlier, and is taking on 
a man who lets you know that he it's that, that all his fights are all easy fucking money, as he says. We got from Angola, but now makes his lives in Thailand, training out of AKA in Thailand. Uh, Manel Prodigio Cape. Uh, so like I said, originally from Angola, uh, five foot six, uh, twenty six years old. So are they the same age? Oh, they're both the same age. How funny yeah. about that? And only one one month apart when it comes to birthdays. He's currently on a two fight win streak where he is knocked out two of his opponents, but uh, with uh with hooks. Uh, most recently to K. Mizugaki at eighteen and C. Chiro Ito at fifteen, and he is one of Ryzen's, you call him Ryzen's loudmouth because he, whenever he is in the ring, before the fight starts, when the fight starts, and after the fight, he is always talking shit. And he, he has got no problem doing that at all. He is one of my favorite fighters in Ryzen. I'm just going to say that off, offhand because he is incredibly entertaining. He breaks up the monotony of, of the whole, oh, I respect my opponents and all that stuff. We need you. You need at least one person who's that loudmouth, brash guy who's who who likes to flaunt and and just just get in everybody's faces. Now this is an important fight because also this is a rematch from last year. Uh, Kaiser and Menoke fought in a very close fight, and and I be honest, I I sometimes change my pick in this fight. You know when I go back and remember it, but I did rewatch it recently. And I think Manel Cape, in my personal opinion, did win the original fight. Kaizakura beat Manel Cape by split decision. It was a very close fight. You can make arguments for both winning. But, you know, big arguments I heard was that Manel Cape basically, you know, started dancing too much in the third round to, uh, to basically get enough points to win the judge's decision. So, but based on that, uh, on that, uh, Johan, we got, this is a main event. We, we are getting a new champion. Barring no bullshit happens with any headbutts yeah. or AI folks. Who do you think wins this match between Manel Cape versus Kai Zakura 2? Oh, gosh. This is another tough fight to predict. Um, Kai Asakura is riding on a high. I mean, who did he beat? Who did he last beat? He beat uh, Luis Gustavo. No, wait. No, that was Mikura, I think. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, yeah. He, he beat, beat, um, he beat uh, uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. Yeah, uh, before the Hori, before the Horiguchi fight, I think he beat someone. Was it a Top Noi? Yeah, I think it was Top Noi. Yeah, he beat Top Noi, uh, but it was the it was the Horiguchi fight that uh, really that really raised things up for for Asakura as well. I mean, that knockout was insane, and oh, oh. He broke Oka Sasaki's jaw as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about seconds. that. Oh my god, I totally yeah. forgot about that. That was like that was like two months ago. Um, I think Kai is without question one of the most exciting and dangerous fighters to watch because I mean yeah he is a YouTuber celebrity as well as a celebrity on YouTube as well. Um, he's starting to gain to re to rise in popularity, so he's got a lot of things going for him and. I did, I did question as to whether he'll be a much of a draw to be headlining such a big card like this. But I guess Ryzen has enough faith to put him in the main event, much less with the Bantamweight title on the line. Um, and then you have Manal Cape, who is 
I think he's easily one of the most improved fighters of the year. I mean, he's had his rough um, ends as well, winning fights, then going, then losing and such. But I think what we see, especially the fight that he had earlier this year, showed that he's still, not that he's much more improved than what he was uh, during the times that we've seen him. And I think his skills, especially now that he's competing, that he's training over in Thailand as well, is drastically helping to improve his game more, especially his striking. He is a fantastic grappler too, and his striking is already getting better and better. Very, very close fight that they had last time around. I won't expect anything less from the two of them. It's going to be very competitive. Who I have winning, um, I think probably... I don't think... I don't see this fight... Um, ending. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be Asakura by decision. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Also, just wanted to, to give their comments because they both have uh, shall we say uh, fiery comments towards each other. Uh, Kai Asakura said, "I am very disappointed. I don't get to face Horiguchi on New Year's Eve, but I hope he recovers well and we fight in his best condition." Cape has been running his mouth for a while, so I hope to hit him in the face and shut him up. I will knock him out on New Year's Eve and become the new Bamweight champion. And then Cape, Cape says, this is my time. This title fight was booked for me, not Azakura. I don't care what he says. I will beat him. I beat him in the first fight and he knows it. He's been running from me all this time because he doesn't want a rematch from me. I don't care if he beat Horiguchi. I can beat all these guys sitting here at the table in one night. I will prove that I am the champion. Yeah, wouldn't expect much less from them as far as fresh talking is concerned too. Exactly, yes. And uh, listen, I don't listen, don't begrudge you at all picking Azakura, especially because I forgot, yeah, he, he uh, broke uh, Sazaki's draw. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm also taking into account that first fight that they had, and mm-hmm. Miguel Cape got a lot in on, uh, on Azakura, made Azakura look his weakest in Ryzen since he's... Uh, been in Ryzen. I think that was at his first fight. No, that wasn't his first fight in Ryzen, but it was, I believe it was sec- his second fight. And Could yeah, in his second fight. Yeah. yeah, and I definitely think that you know we we saw a lot of what someone like here's the thing. Someone like Cape, who's not afraid to get in your face, might. I think that's gonna be what is gonna be the deciding factor in this case. And I also think on the ground, I think that Cape maybe actually even better than than Asakura. If it gets down to the ground, if it even gets down to the ground, I don't even think their first fight even went down to the ground once. I think it was entirely stand up. Uh, barring that, though, I love Azakura. Azakura is a very entertaining bantamweight. I love Manel Cape. He's entertaining both in the ring and when he's talking. But I have to go with Manel Cape. I think that Angola is going to have a champion to its uh, to its ranks. I think that. I think that just Manel Cape is going, you know, other than the Sasaki fight, which was a badly fought fight, you know, that always happens, you know. Listen, he got wrestle fucked for three rounds, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, he clearly was ill-prepared for that fight. But obviously, with his net, with the matches he had after those two, he destroyed his opponents. And I'm not saying that, like, that's he's going to destroy Azakura. But I think for this fight, he's absolutely prepared, going to be prepared for this fight. I think... Manel Cape is going to take the going to take the title, and then we eventually get uh, Ishiwatari uh, or or Ogikubo versus Cape somewhere down the line. 
Yeah, I think that would be a fight. Those would be fights I would love to watch as well, depending on who wins their respective matches. I mean, Asakura versus Ishiwatari or Ogikobo would be good too. I mean, the Bantamweight division is super stacked. You put any two mm. guys in the ring against each other, it's going to be a good fight, regardless. Absolutely. Of course, um, yeah, it's a pity that Horiguchi got injured. I wish he could still be competing in this match, or in this event, especially against Asakura in the main event. But unfortunately, things happen. Um, at least Asakura is still competing for the title. But uh, on that note, it's good to see Manel Cave also challenging for the title because I think regardless of what people think about him or say about him, you know, being very, very arrogant, very um, eccentric as well, that's another word of putting it. Mm-hmm. I do believe that he is also overdue for a title shot because um, let's also not forget that Manel Cave gave Horiguchi quite a tough time during yeah. our semi-final bout in the Bantamweight Grand Prix as well. Exactly, yes. Uh, exactly, yeah. And it also gave Isakura his best, uh, his his most top matchup. And, uh, yeah, I think this is, yeah, I, I, this is, I think this is a fight to make. This, you know, obviously, Isakura was still going to be the top fight, but who was going to be opponent? I said from the beginning, it's got to be Manel Cape, because then you got the rematch between these two, uh, knocked off because of the first fight was so close. If Manel Cape wins it, then you know, hey, you can do. If you want to do another rematch against him and Kai, absolutely, it's another close decision as well. I don't think this one will be a close decision though. I think, I think we're gonna get, I think we're gonna get a definitive winner, whether it be Kai finishing Cape or Cape finishing Kai. Yeah, it will be. It will be very interesting to see because anything can happen in this fight. It could go the distance. It could. It could end in a finish, maybe by a knockout or submission. So I'm really interested to see how this fight goes. Great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, that we went over all 15 fights of the card. Johan, how much yeah. of any what any fight you're particularly looking forward to the most, uh, and uh, overall just thoughts on the card as a whole. Um. Oh man, I think the fight I'm looking forward to the most is obviously the main event, as well as the tension in battle fight, just because of how much we talk in depth about everything that Tenshin is going through and what potential Ibata has in in handing Tenshin potentially his first loss and possibly becoming an even bigger star after that. So a lot of implications. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, well, uh, not, nothing against Miyu or uh, nothing against, uh, nothing against Nothing against Miu or Amp, but I think the two women, the, the two Adam Wade matches between Hamazaki and Ham and Benzant and Rena and Rena are the fights that I'm also looking forward to because of the title implica- implications involving the four women involved. Uh, aside from that, looking forward to seeing Prohaska doing his thing as usual. Looking forward to seeing Shematov and Byung as well. I mean, and of course the lightweight Grand Prix. It's um, it's an exciting card. I mean, obviously, it's not gonna, it's not as huge as any of the, you know, as as Dynamite was ten years ago, but still compelling enough to make it a fun watch. 
And if you want to couple that with what Bellator are doing two days late, two days before, I think um, it it will be a great weekend for a lot of MMA fans. You know, you've got Bellator that's going that's putting on a great card, and then you've also got you also have Ryzen putting on an equally great card as well. So there's a lot to look forward to. Yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I just also wanted to quickly give the tapology results. Uh, they overwhelmingly picked Kaisaker to win at 88% uh, over Minnell Cape. Um, wow. Actually, quite surprised by that number, but uh, that's what the uh, that's what the tapology faithful say. Um, yeah. And then also, you know... I would have gone 50-50. Oh, absolutely. It is absolutely 50-50. Yeah. Um, I think, but I think, you know, I, I cannot wait for the lead-up to the fight. There's going to be a lot of trash talk between both of them. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, with that being said, Johan, we've been talking yeah. for close to three and a half hours about MMA. We appreciate oh, your wow. time, but we also want to give you an opportunity to plug all, everything that you do, uh, social media, Instagram, your Twitch, yeah. everything. Go ahead and throw it all out there. Well, uh, well, I've got, well, I've got a Facebook page as well. You can look me up there, uh. As well as Twitter and Instagram, Johan Yusuf eighty five. You can look me up from there. Uh, Twitch, as far as Twitch goes, I'm usually streaming gaming uh, Mondays to Thursdays as well, and I'm also doing Twitch things, which is a singing karaoke thing on Fridays as well. But although I'm taking, I might be limiting, I might be lessening my streams this week because I've got a performance to prepare in Singapore later this weekend. So it's going to be quite, my, my streaming might be a bit sparse this week, but I'll try to be back in full force once I'm back in Malaysia next week. Uh, aside from that, yeah, that's pretty much it on my social media front. Okay, great. And uh, all just before we give out our own plugs, you can check out Ryzen20 on Fight.tv. It is available right now for purchase uh, for $20. But if you have those credits that uh, those uh, those those lovely credits that Ryzen gives out to, uh, or I should say, Fight TV gives out, uh, if uh, you do whatever they ask you to do, by all means use those credits, and it'll be available December thirty first, New Year's Eve, at one a.m. for us in the East Coast. If you're in Japan, obviously you can watch on Yao, uh, Fuji when it comes live, or Sky Perfect. And uh, I'm pretty sure everywhere if outside Japan, Fight.TV is a way to go to watch it as well. And if you want to follow both either Christian and I on our social media pages, my personal page is at Abenja1, which is all wrestling. So if you hate wrestling, do not follow me or just follow me and mute me. Uh, you can follow Christian at ChrisGary92, uh, as well as... Uh, Focus Fights, which uh, Christian uh, oversees, at which is at Focus Fights. And if you want to follow We Are Rising Podcast official Twitter, you can follow us at We Are Rising Pod. And with that, Johan, we want to thank you once again for talking to us for such a long time about JMMA. We are glad to have you on, especially because it's been uh, it's your 10-year anniversary of uh, yeah. Dynamite. Oh, my goodness. Time flies, man. <laughs> Time flies, but ever since you know, ever since you started following us, we've we I've always wanted to have you on to talk about this. And now that yeah. I learned that you went to Dynamite, 
and so glad this has kind of come full circle in a very uh, very unique way. Yeah. I, I'm I'm very happy that you guys had me on as well. It's been a while since I've done these kind of things too. I podcast about MMA and all that. So it's refreshing for me too. And hopefully we can get you on for a review show to talk about this uh this great card when it uh finally uh makes it makes air and when you get a chance to watch it. I know you'll be uh it'll be a little bit of a uh, delay for you because you'll be uh doing yeah. some uh personal stuff, but hopefully if you get a chance to watch it, we can uh go over the card and talk about our favorite fights and all that stuff. Yeah, I definitely will let you guys know once I'm done watching it. <laughs> great, great, great. And with that, everybody, we just want to thank you all for your support and for tuning in, whether it be on Twitch or through audio form on Stitcher or SoundCloud and or YouTube. Uh, we appreciate the support any and always. Thank you very much. Enjoy the fights. Make sure you keep those hands up at all times. Take care.